All right, well, let's get to it then. Welcome, everybody, for another episode of the Group Up Podcast. It has been a while since our last one, but we have returned. We brought some fire with us, and it is the great Season 6 debate. A lot has happened since I was away, and I've decided to bring some friends along to discuss all of it. So without further ado, let me introduce the homies. In the top left is my man, Frito. Frito, what's up? Hey, everybody. I am excited to talk about Season 6. Biggest content release since launch. One of the biggest content releases, period, I think, for Overwatch. And to discuss that is uh, my fellow Doomer in the bottom left, Flats. Flats, what's up? I'd argue it's bigger than launch. Yeah, honestly, it's it's been pretty huge. And we were supposed to have Samito rounding us out to fill out the Avengers, but I have brought a more than worthy replacement. Unfortunately, Sam could not make it today. And instead, I brought Support God, ML7. How you doing? Hey, yo, what up, what up, what up? I'm, I'm, I'm doing really good. Season 6 has a lot of stuff for support, and I'm, I'm super hyped. I love to hear it. Love to hear all of us sounding a little bit happy, a little bit optimistic. That's great to hear. Uh, we'll be discussing plenty. We've got the PvE to talk about, the the Flashpoint, Iliari, the Steam reviews, and the, and the much review-bombed antics that have been taking place. We'll discuss all that and more, but let's start with the big news, at least what was supposed to be the big news of Season 6, the PvE. Now, fellas, you know, we were here on this podcast like two years ago or something talking about, oh, well, PvP will come and it'll save us all. It'll transform Overwatch and it's kind of like going to redefine the sequel. Finally, it has arrived, perhaps not in the form that anyone expected. Obviously, the devs have been clear in the last few months that it wasn't going to be like that, but it's here now. So let's just start off. Give me your your big picture, just a, a couple sentence summary, and then we'll really dive into how you feel about the PvE's details. But yeah, PvE couple sentence summary i'll start with our fresh guest ml i was actually a little bit surprised by pv i've never been a fan of pv in any game that i've played i'm more of a competitive player but when i played it i was surprised in a good way that i had like a lot of fun compared to like the previous missions that we had in the other years it's definitely an improvement but you can see that there were like some things missing here and there but I got to say, if I would have not played Overwatch, let's say I was playing Valorant or I would just like to play something casually, I would have probably gave it a go and I still think would have had an awesome time. That's good. Glad to hear it. Okay. Flats, your quick summary then. It very clearly wasn't what was originally promised. I mean, we've all kind of realized that like it's kind of time to move past that at this point. But that being said... I don't think it's unfair to say, yes, it wasn't what was promised, but I still also very much enjoyed it. The Legendary, we spent like three days beating the Toronto mission. We had that sense of accomplishment when we finished it. I'm actually much more of a PvE player. Uh, when I do variety, I do a lot of like story type games. Like I just played like Subnautica, Blow Zero. Um, and I really, really do enjoy story games like that. And I loved the story of the PvE and the cinematics and the cutscenes and all that stuff. And it was a great thing to play. It was a great time. Yeah, it wasn't obviously the big one, but I still really much, really, really enjoyed it. And uh, I wish people would give it a shot because I think they would too. Nice to hear. All right, Frida, do you agree or do you disagree with what's been said so far? Yeah, I thought it was bad. Like, really, really, really bad. Uh, <laughs> below, below what I had hoped that it was going to be. And I, my expectations were like on the floor, pretty much. Um... I, I've like I've held off giving big opinions about it publicly because it got good reception in the community as we're hearing in this call so far, and I think um, ways that they did make it uh, good is like the difficulty scaling. 
is quite harsh, so you have to actually learn how to play it. But I think, like, compared to any other game of this type, you would never pick this one over pretty much any of them. I, I think it's quite jank, and it's really hard for me to get over the fact that it's, like, in this really odd packaging. And I'm actually in the other way, where I preferred Archives to this, because Archives was free and had, like, smaller scope and expectations, and it was a much more honed experience, whereas I just feel like I see the cracks everywhere in this of how uh, underdeveloped it is on, on so many different levels, as opposed to like retribution. You go back and play that now while it's small and maybe doesn't have the difficulty scaling that this new one has, which I think um, players that are looking for a challenge would definitely appreciate the like moment by moment beats of the engagements, I think are just like, per percentage of time played or, or like per I'm trying to think like a, a way to say per capita, but like, like the moments you play are just like better and more refined pretty much. Like it's more scripted, more uh, polished in many ways. And I just think this is like a, a strung out version of, uh, of that. And <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the seams are showing for me. So not, not a huge fan. I really, really wanted to like it as well. I want, I want, I, I went into it, like trying not to have any expectations. And I think like, I, I don't know. There's only a couple things I think it even does well at all. And I don't know. I, I, I'm, in, I'm interested because I think a lot of the streamers like it, which I think is good. But like, I, I'm, I'm curious what the actual public perception of this is and how they're going to adjust. Like, uh, anyway, we can go more on that. We wanted to intro. Yeah, statement. No. So there's my uh, doomer, sad, uh, <laughs> disappointed take in, in a nutshell. No, I appreciate that a lot. I mean, we've got a debate now. Otherwise, people will be like, these guys fucking agree on the call. What is this nonsense? So I'm actually going to hold off on that note for my opinion for a moment because I want to take it back to one of our two positive uh, beacons over here. I'll go to ML first. ML, how do you feel about what Frida has just said? Like, do you think it? he says he prefers archives in a way just because of the packaging and, and, the, and the expectations? Do you agree with that Personally? sentiment? Personally, I had more fun playing this than the previous archives and stuff, but that's just me. And secondly, I think that we might have reached a point in which with how hyped everything was, no matter what it would have done, I think we would have still been a little bit upset that it wasn't what we, we set our eyes onto, I feel like. Like even if they would have released, let's say, a very polished game and stuff with everything possibly imagined, I think we would have still been upset and been like, yeah, it's it's not quite good. It's compared to other games and stuff. At the end of the day, it's a game. We got to have fun. And I don't know about comparisons between games. I personally play games, yes, for the competitive nature and yes, to have fun. And realistically speaking, I think that if you play this, you can still have some fun with it. I don't think that you're going to play and get bored of it overall. Can it be better and stuff? Of course it can be better. Of course they can do better in that regard. But still, it, I personally, as somebody that doesn't play that much PV, had had a good time. Okay, Flats, how do you feel about what, what Frida says there? I, thought, I saw you kind of thinking about it. I specifically disagree with the uh, archives mission thing because the archive missions remind me of the extra hero mission, you know, like the, the free hero mission that you get. That felt like archives to me, and that definitely felt way worse than the PvE missions. Uh, I played it like a couple times. I was like, okay, I'm already bored of this. But the missions themselves, I actually kind of enjoyed playing them um, my big disappointment, I would say with it, was that I was hoping that the Legendary was going to be um, kind of like a COD Zombie style, where it's like more enemies, and maybe they have like uh, uh, more things you have to look out for. So like certain mobs, like they exploded if you knocked off their arms, 
or they would like like the artillery would jump on you like the like the legendary would unlock new mechanics that you had to look out for that would be dangerous instead of just larger health pools because for us like especially like really high level players like we just sat there just we hit every headshot like it's not really hard it just took way longer so so like that kind of thing to me is what took away the challenging part of it but it was still fun it was still really challenging we really enjoyed it we were like theory theory crafting comps like okay you know we were running brig for a bit but like we just didn't have enough stuns to stop the the the, the kidnapper ones from like killing us at the at the end of the toronto mission so we swapped lucio for like the aoe boops and we swapped diva because you got a second life and like those kind of things to think about were really really fun and really really cool um but i also think that uh, you know, looking back, there was just no way we were going to get what we were promised. Like, the only way we were going to get what we were promised is they needed to have a separate dev team work on this game and just, like, put them off to their own side and leave them there for another, like, two or three years. Like, but unfortunately, investors call. The investors want to want to make a return. It's like, you guys spent three or four years making this game. Where's our return? Uh, and I think that's even why they charged the 15 bucks for it, because I remember you had a take SVB about this, that they should have given the first round for free to get everyone like a taste of the game. And I 100% agree with you. But unfortunately, when this type of thing happens, they've spent so many years developing it, they want to see a return on their investment. And that's why they bundled it with so many things. That's why they put the coins in there. That's why I put the skins in there. You know, they try to get you to like really, really want to buy it. But like they shouldn't have charged you for the first one. That was the mistake because that could have got everyone's attention. And actually, there's a good point here is, you know, as Frito, as you said, is I wonder what public reception is. I'm going to keep it a buck. I don't think public reception is good because people haven't played it. And people aren't going to play it because they don't want to pay the 15 bucks for it because they don't think it's worth it. If it was free and they actually enjoyed themselves, they had a good time. The second round, when it comes around, I think they'd be much more receptive to paying for it. Yes, you still have the people that complain for it. But if they were very, very, very vocal on like, okay, we are only giving you the first one for free. That's it. It's just to get you guys, like, whet your appetite, be ready to go. Um, I think it would be a much more positive reception to it. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> it's it's a tough situation overall. But personally, I had fun. So, a quick question. So, Flats and ML, did you both play with a stack? Yes. Okay. Because I think, I think that partly informs this as well. Uh, to, to now chime in on my... Uh, feelings on it. I didn't play on the stack. I just kind of decided. I was like, I just wanna, I'm just going to play solo queue and, and see what happens. See how it, see how the experience is. I got very bored. I have not even played all the missions. I played one, and then I played the second. We lost halfway through, and I was like, I'm bored, and I have not played it since. And I find that my feelings were kind of essentially that I I now understand why the PVE was scaled back. Like playing this. I completely understand because I think I remember the dev- developer communication being that, look, guys, we we're making this thing. A, it was obviously a lot bigger than what we thought, but also they said this many times. We were getting the feedback that's just not that fun. We just kept getting people telling us that it's just not that fun. And I get it now. I think when we heard that, me or me and I think others were like, how could it be? You know, we were all expecting Blizzard always do PvE games really well and there's so much fun in Overwatch, there's so many amazing characters, so much potential. How could it not be fun? But something about it just doesn't work in the sense that it's just very repetitive. There's not really much else going on. Like when you lock a character, you're just kind of like shooting bots over and over and over in the same way. You know, when you think of like a, a, a maybe an adjacent PvE game, obviously any comparisons will be unfair, but I think of the PvE games I've played recently, like a God of War or something, right? You might argue, oh, well, you're fighting random zombies all the time anyways. It's the same thing. But 
there's different ways that manifests, right? It's like, okay, well, firstly, my character has multiple ways to engage with this opponent, the ways that I can customize, right? I can, like, throw my axe, I can swing it, I can shield, I can try and parry, or I can be a bit more crazy. But on top of that, obviously, the enemies demand different things. Now, the enemies in these demand some certain things, but not massively so. And again, maybe this goes back to, well, they couldn't do the replayable part. They couldn't do the talents. They couldn't do all that. But I didn't even have those expectations. I honestly didn't. I came back just kind of like, oh, this will be fine. This will be fun. I had, I'd like to think I had zero expectations and I was still underwhelmed, which is a little bit sad to say. And I don't want to be Doomer Man, but I get it now because looking at this, I'm like, yeah, I think they made the right call refocusing on PvP because maybe they themselves realized at some point they were like, this isn't going to sell its own game. Like this isn't going to do it. This isn't going to cut it. Let's do our thing. I'm curious, ML, I, before I go back to Frida, I don't want double Doomer in a, in a row, but I will get back to Frida in a second. I'm curious, ML, if you have anything you want to add about the, the whole experience, the packaging, the selling, the expectations, any of it. I mean, I wasn't like particularly hyped for PV in the first place. As I said in the beginning, I mostly focused on Overwatch, in Overwatch on PvP. And as someone that just tried it out, just to have a little bit of fun, again, like, I actually enjoyed it. <laughs> I know I know how it sounds. I actually enjoyed it. Maybe because I'm playing ranked a lot. Maybe because I'm doing like a lot of guides, a lot of a lot of views and stuff. But just hopping in and then trying something else different in Overwatch, it felt good. And again, as I was saying, I think that if somebody would just pick up the game to just play for the first time, if I personally would not play Overwatch and I would hop in as someone that's not that big fan of uh, not a big fan of PvE games, I think I would have still had a good time. I haven't played it solo though, so I'll give you that. I haven't played it solo to strategize and stuff. I think that on Legendary, it would be a little bit difficult to play solo without communicating and stuff. But other than that, I mean, what else could they have done better with this than to make them not feel underwhelming? You know, what else? Okay, anything they would have done at this point, they're in checkmate. You know, you know you're gonna lose. So as you said earlier, like just okay, this is it. We're gonna release it. That's it. Move on. Moving on. Future. Yeah, and I, I want to add that it doesn't... I, I don't have a problem with it being kind of, in my opinion, mediocre because I think, like, it's not meant to be... The good thing is it's not meant to be its own game now, right? Like, that expectation has been lifted, so it's not meant to carry the game as it were. But do you agree with Flat's sentiment? I'm before I now go to Frito. Do you quickly... Do you agree with Flat's sentiment that if it was free, more people would have tried it? I mean, that's I... obvious, but, like, do you think they should have done it? Hello guys, SCP here and the Goop Up Podcast is back and I'd like to take just 30 seconds of your time to talk to you about two quick things. Firstly, Patreon. If you enjoy the content, then please do consider supporting directly because Patreon takes only about 10% of the money you give, where YouTube and Twitch take 40 and 50% respectively. So if you'd like to support the podcast, then that is the best way to do so. Secondly, if you're someone who enjoys video essays or detailed analysis of movies, TV, or anime, then please do check out my second channel, The Soak, where I'll be making videos about those kind of topics much more frequently and where a lot of my attention will go beyond just Overwatch. It would mean the absolute world to me if you guys would check it out. But that's it for now. Let's head back to the discussion. Um, I talked about this actually. We haven't talked for quite some time about this SVB, but yes, I'm... I'm also I'm also thinking that it would have been better if they would have been free. But then again, that it would have. What happens if it's free? You play it, and then they make you buy it next season, and you're like, "Oh well, that was free. Now I gotta pay for it." Nah, I'm not doing that. Like that was the risk, and I think they calculated this. Maybe a lot of people would have not enjoyed it free, and they would have been, "This is Overwatch." Nah, nah, I'm done. So maybe this is what 
what they had in their head when they released it like this. But I would have been fan at least one mission for free. Right. That's fair. Okay, Frito, you've been very, very patient. After setting the scene, you've been mulling over your thoughts. How do you feel about what's been said? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the uh, solo queue experience because I think surprisingly and maybe like almost, I don't know if it was purposeful or accidental, but I think they did make a, a much better streaming product than they did a solo queue experience because as a in a four-man stack, the like the difficulty mechanics are there's a bunch of random one shots that you have to outplay and in the cases where you can get a hero that interacts with them and doing the comp theory crafting in order to do so and then you in your team will go back again the same players and decide okay i'm gonna pick this hero to deal with this problem um that is kind of cool like in theory but with randoms with a team you're not going to stay with you're just kind of stuck with whatever they have and whether they know oh they're unique interaction actually will save us from this thing so there's a few of those that exist there's the um stalkers which suck you in as opposed to left for dead which has like a melee that everyone can because this is take from left for dead it's like like we may not want to compare to other games but they literally designed this exactly from another game which has existed for years so the horde based thing the the characters that that suck you they, they charge at you whatever these are all left for dead mechanics that that they've taken in that game when you get knocked down by one of the guys that pounce on you anybody can come in melee to save you from that Whereas in Overwatch, you specifically need like a, a stun of some type or to break line of sight of certain things. So when I did find things like that where May can wall off the, the subjugator from death raying one of your civilians, like, okay, that's kind of interesting. It's like, what else would this do other than this, right? Like, like it, it, it makes some cover or something. Those types of things were interesting, but they're almost like incidental and accidental maybe like i don't know if they meant to do it because there's all these different options and some of them don't have any interactions and there's other ones that do so I, it's hard for me to know what to do with that like it doesn't seem like a tailor fit experience where they're like this is the mechanics of the game like as you described any other game whether it's god of war one that i played uh recently is like that that ratchet and clank on a uh, um ps5 and unfortunately for me i guess like when i buy a game like this i want it to be really good because I usually spend most of my time playing PvP games. So uh, if I'm going to play a game like this, like it's got to be quite good for me me to care about it. So I suppose I have higher expectations than, than maybe some. But uh, yeah, the, the game, without playing it in that very specific kind of way, like I'm curious what all the streamers really would feel like if they had to play it with randoms, which necessarily weren't um, dealing with the mechanics as they exist. And then when you take that away, then you're like, oh, wow, like the, this artillery is just going to one-shot me from across the map, like, yippee. Like, other, or it's just like that you're just shooting training bots. Like, I, I, it really was distasteful to me how much it felt like I was in the training range and the, the training bots are just walking towards me now. And now they shoot at me. It's like it, the, a lot of the gameplay felt like that. Um, and I could speak a lot more about um, the story and just like how underutilized that is. Like, I, I thought the story is really, really bad to be honest. Um, what other points that were made? Um, I think that's it. Like I can see a lot of promise there and I just like, I just wish it was more. I wish it was a real game. And the truth is, as you're saying, SB, it's it's not a real game. It's a add-on to the battle pass, and it's always going to be that from now on. So the best we can ask for is like a refined version of that. But I also think it's not good as that either. That that's how I feel. Like maybe in a stack, 
if you're all coordinating, then you can get that to work and have fun. But as a solo queue experience, definitely, it was just kind of like resident sleeper. So could I chime in? Yeah, absolutely. Feel free to chime um, in. What if they would have given you like tips after you lose or like mid game pop ups going like save your brig flail for that mob because you play solo in that case. That doesn't require that much coordination. When I lower difficulties, you'd be like, okay, so when, I don't know the name of them, when somebody starts sucking you, for the lack of a better word, use your <laughs> big flail to just like boop them away and that's it. What would happen then? And you have those tips at lower difficulty, or you can decide to tick the box if yes or no. The subjugator, okay, that's how it was called. So you just interrupt it. Because for me, like I played the game a lot and I was like, what do I do now? You know, and with time I figured it out. But I, you're saying that as a solo player, what if we would like help the solo players a little bit more so that they can get some coordination in? Yeah, I think that would be a good idea for the whole game. I mean, like, <laughs> regroup with your team. And yeah, I mean, I've been asking for this stuff for seven years now. So uh, yeah, yeah, that would help. But I also think like what game design normally does is they will give you a little piece of that idea and force you to do it on your on your own terms and then go from little to bigger to more complicated. Now they try to do that in a way where it's like, here's the stalker. Okay, she, she sucks you in. It's just by herself. So you can in an arena deal with her, but they don't give you a scenario where you have to do the thing that you're saying. So normally in, in uh, designed games that are polished, the gameplay will just teach you that automatically. And you don't have to like, go on a Wikipedia or watch your favorite streamer just to figure out how the base mechanics of the game are intended to work. And I, I think that's the case of any game of this uh, genre, basically. Like in Left 4 Dead, this has been done before. Not not just years ago, multiple times. There's two of them, yeah. uh, Left 4 Dead games. Which, I, I will, which they are just... directly taking from, by the way. And in many cases, in the story itself, it's very clearly taking story beats from other games as well like the the whole train thing is straight out of half-life like there, there's a lot of these things which are like not new ideas whatsoever and so if you're going to take it like do the blizzard polish thing where you take a thing everybody knows and polish it up like there's there's basically zero blizzard polish this doesn't even seem like a blizzard game to me in that way like like i'm curious what what anyone could even say was an idea that they took from somewhere else and they polished it up like they're supposed to based on the uh, old blizzard design philosophy I want to add quickly one thing before I take it to Flats because I'm curious what he has to add all this. I think to to ML's point, I think one thing they do do, and, and games do this a lot, is characters will say like hints, right? So like you'll often be in a game. So I, and I actually, there's, there's a, like a balance between this because it can be good, but it can also be annoying. So when I played, again, I, I literally played it at like three attempts, if you want to call it. One, the first one in that first mission in Rio, you know that the final boss where he runs into the the middle mm, pillar, yeah. whatever it's called? I remember when I played it the first time, I think it was Brig was like, make him run into the thing, like just shout it out. And I was kind of like, I'm actually annoyed because I've been robbed of the chance to discover this for myself, right? Like one of the fun parts of playing a PvE game is like, maybe you're struggling against a boss and you're like, how do I beat this guy? Like, what, what, is, what is the way I'm supposed to get around him? And then you realize, oh shit, if I make him run into the thing, that'll, that'll do the damage, right? So there's like a fine balance, I think, between hand like hand holding and feeding it to the player and being like just do this but also just wanted to create incentives for them to want to try again and want to like i just didn't find it that fun to try again it wasn't even like a i'm frustrated by the difficulty i was just was like i'm not that keen on going again does that answer your question like does that help you at all ml yeah yeah sense. i agree do you have anything you want to uh, add before i go to the flats mm. 
about copying games a little bit. Like at this point, what is completely new? It's not bad to copy it. I mean, th this is what they should do. It's just that if you're going to take these mechanics, they typically would make them better. I mean, that's why World of Warcraft is a thing. That's why Overwatch is a thing. That's why a lot of these, their entire design philosophy over years was to do this very thing. And I think that's what Jeff had intended to do with this uh, sequel of a game was to, you know, they took Team Fortress and then made it into their own thing, polished it to be the game that we love. And they could have done that with, with Left 4 Dead. But I think this is like the, it feels like the demo version of, of the game that it could have been to me. It's not that they can't take it. I just want them to actually polish it up. And I kind of feel the same with SV where even as I learned these mechanics, it's not like it's ignorance that's like, man, I don't like it. It's just like, even when I learn it, it's still kind of lame. It's just like either do this or get insta-killed or uh, yeah. Uh, another cool game they could take from is, uh, just kind of thinking. I just want to, like I just want to interrupt. I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you, Frito, because I know we've been talking a lot. I want to make sure Flats has the chance to to get his words in as well. Flats, uh, I, I want to lead it particularly towards the direction of the future, because I think obviously maybe one thing we can be, me and Frito perhaps can be accused of is like we're kind of judging it very harshly for its first version, but the devs have said themselves like we're going to iterate, we're going to make this better. So is there like, is this maybe just the starting point and we can expect something better to come out of it later? No. No? Absolutely not. I think... I think uh, I remember about a year and a half ago, uh, Aaron came out and said, we are reversing course and we are going to focus on the PVP aspect of this game because that's what Overwatch is. If anything, is P the PV has shown us that like they probably stopped this realistically like a year and a half ago and have been like just like wrapping it up, like finishing it up, you know, polishing up, rendering it, make it look good and, you know, finishing the stories, making the stories look good, the voice acting. Cause I, remember, I think it was like a year and a half ago we saw... Uh, you know, like job listings for a lot of the PVE stuff. And it was like, well, they're not even close to the end on PVE over there. So, you know, we don't even know when the next one's going to come out. It might not be next season. It might not be the season after that. We don't even know when it's going to be. Um, but, you know, if anything, this conversation's already taught me is one, I'm kind of over the PVE, like the whole thing, <laughs> um, just because I enjoyed it. Uh, most people probably aren't because you're right, SVB. Uh, probably most people that play it solo queue aren't going to have a good time because I played it on normal once really quick, the, the hero mission, just to like finish it and do all the like the extra challenges. And it was so boring, the, the normal version, you know, because like you just one shot all the bots, like you just two tap them with a headshot and you move on. Um, that's what the probably the normal player's experience is. For us, it, for who that were playing with friends and, and stacking and having a good time with it, if anything, that just shows the normal Overwatch experience. And Overwatch is almost always better with friends. Um, but real talk, uh, the only way I think PvE would have been a game that people truly would have enjoyed is if they had shelved it for another couple of years and actually had a legitimate dev team for just the PvE section of the game. Uh, Blizzard is a multi-multi-billion dollar company, and they have a very, very small dev team in comparison to some other games. And they technically wanted to build two games at once. Like, what the original scope for the original PV was, was its own, like, standalone game. There is no way these people could have built two games at the same time. They would have either both suffered, or one would have suffered less than the other. And that's kind of what happened. And the PvP, as we've seen in the last few months, has improved, as opposed to the PvE, which, you know, as we see now, isn't what was originally promised. And I wonder... You know what the world what it would have been like if we actually saw the original scope of what Jeff had originally wanted for PVE and whatnot. 
But was it the right call? Was going back to PvP the right call and focusing on that? Well, if we look at the last few months and how things have started to improve, at least in my opinion, I think it probably was the right call. Um, and I wonder if there's even a world where a game like that would have even been able to be built um, with the amount of dev power that they have. And personally, I just think that they never would have gotten the resources that they needed. And investors came knocking and were like, we need, we got to see some results now. It's been a couple years. We know there was a pandemic and stuff like that, but they want their money back. And unfortunately, that's just kind of how it went. Um, but I don't I don't see them sinking like a bunch of more hours into the PVE. I think they're just going to keep focusing on PVP. I saw a dev I saw a blog or a, a Q&A uh, dev interview with uh, Jared in which they said that they're already they're talking about it's nothing confirmed, but they're talking about maybe picking up the the, the pace for for hero releases. And, and that's PVP focus like people love the new heroes. That's like what Overwatch is. That's what gets people super excited. So it kind of shows to me that they've now picked their path and they're focused and they know what they're going to do. Um, and if anything, I'm more excited to see how that goes and I'll judge them how the future goes with that. Um, then hold on to uh, what probably could have never been um, personally. So I don't know for me, it's I've kind of, I've said my piece about PV many times. I enjoyed it playing with friends. I agree with you. I probably wouldn't enjoy it solo, um, but it is what it is. Yeah, I think I think you sum it up well, which is that, and I also think, like I said, that it was the right call. I think it was the right call to decide and say, because in game development, quite often, we just don't hear about it. Games just go bad. Like you're developing a game, you spend years on it, and you're like, I don't think we're happy with the product we've created. Anyone who's made any creative enterprise understands this, where like, if you're a YouTuber, you can work on a video for ages, and you're like, wow, this is dog. I'm scrapping this video. It's not good. And that can happen with a game too. And I think they made the right call to look after like whatever time they spend. They were like, this isn't, it's not good enough to be a standalone game. So let's not double down or start again, right? Like, okay, well, we're going to make it a PvE game. So let's start again, try different ideas and make it work. Let's just focus on the PvP. So on that note, let's just focus on the PvP and let's move on to what a lot of stuff has come through in the PvP. But let's talk first and foremost, while we've got ML himself in the call, Iliari, the new hero. ML, give me your thoughts. Uh, and there's already been much discussion. She's already potentially getting nerfed. But Iliari, talk me through her. She's the best designed hero, best support, I feel like, since Anna. She's incredibly fun. Like, I love the fact that it went with such a simple kit that has, like, such a high skill ceiling, but you can understand the hero. And I think it's one of the reasons why um, maybe the nerfs are coming in so fast because we're figuring out how to uh, play her really fast. Like, she has a gun, she shoots, she heals, puts a healing pile next to you, she jumps, and the ultimate is just a big projectile. And one other thing about her is the fact that Overwatch has always struggled, if you don't play it, to, like, understand what's happening in the game. And her kit, like, imagine her being meta in the World Cup Finals, or Overwatch League Finals, or even Contenders Playoffs. I can just see... People going like, oh my god, look at Eli getting two kills. Or seeing that big ultimate. Are they going to explode? They're going to explode. Like, it just brings a lot of hype. And I hope that in the future we're going to get more heroes like this. Which is super fun. Love to hear it. Um, I, I, I'll come back to you in a second. Because I want to I get a lot of your thoughts on this uh, hero in particular, ML. But Frito, do you agree with like the statement that she's maybe the best designed support since Ana? Uh, I think her design's 10 out of 10. I think it's hard to go wrong with a hero like this when you have a character that requires aim um, to some degree. It's not going to break 
the game for the mass player base. Like it might break it for the, the top 1%, but my opinion stays pretty consistent with that, where I feel like an aim if an aim-based hero is breaking the top level of gameplay, that's a good problem to have as opposed to other problems that we've had uh, before. So I, I don't, there's nothing she does that I find like particularly offensive to, to the game. A good comparison I make though is like, Kiri had a whole lot of offense, but it was kind of gimmicky and the spikes were, were up and down where you might be uh, sending airmail kunais and they randomly will spike to to uh, wipe. Or maybe you the other mechanic that she does is jump on your back line, two tap and then get out. That's like a feeling robbed, like your lunch money has just been taken. And it's like a whole new thing <laughs> you never expected a support to be able to do. Whereas uh, Ilari, I'm going to say it like that because I don't know how to pronounce it the other way. But Ilari feels somewhat fair. It's like you're used to a backliner having potential kill time. Like maybe an Ana wouldn't do it as severely, but you can get three tapped by an Ana. Like getting getting two tapped in two seconds from Ilari is not like a super crazy concept, you know, compared to getting one tapped by a Widowmaker, for example. So another backliner type character, whether it's damage or support, being able to have that kind of firepower, it just doesn't seem so offensive to me. And a cool thing that they did that I know has been a kind of a design goal for them in some ways is to make things feel impactful. So one way to do that is to have a heal beam that has 120 heal per second, which is insane, but it's on a low resource. So you have to manage it. You have to decide. You have to, there's a lot of just management setup tactics. It's, it's it, overall, it's like a great hero, regardless of how I, the, uh, the meta shakeout will happen over time, which I think is still maybe debatable what that's going to look like. I think um, for most players, honestly, it's like other supports are easier, better, freer value. So you know, you'll have fun playing her, but I, I don't think she breaks the game except for maybe the top percent. Yeah, flats. I mean, maybe we should always expect people to complain, but I've already seen people complaining. Oh, Ilya, he just does too much. He's like, got this, Matt, the other. And maybe the, to some extent the devs agree because they've, they've already said we're going to nerf her pylon, we're going to nerf her ultimate. How do you feel? Like, do you feel like she does a little bit too much or is she she reasonable? I'd agree with her pylon nerf. The only reason I agree with that is because, uh, I mean, philosophy-wise, we just changed with, like, how we view turrets and stuff with, like, the nerfs to Torb turret, Sim turret, etc. Uh, just, like, an AFK healing ability. It's, like, almost like a almost like a mini mercy pocket. Just, I don't know. It, to me personally, I'm like, ah, it might be a little bit much because I, I, for one, believe that you should always have, like, high-skill mechanical gameplay um, be like the forefront like you're rewarded for being good at the game you're rewarded for making good plays you're rewarded for all these things and the turret is the only thing to me is like hmm, you kind of just leave it there and i actually think the opposite of you frito i actually think that it will break the lower ranks because if you don't know, like your bronze through gold especially console players the highest win rate characters in the game are torb sim and ryan all and moira kid characters that can't aim um so if you throw a healing turret and everyone likes to play Arissa and stand there and hit all their buttons and nobody dies. I wonder if you got to the point where like the numbers are so pumped up that it's like you actually can't secure a kill. And that was actually one of the big concerns back in Overwatch 1 at one point when healing numbers were getting so high was that in the lower ranks, you couldn't secure kills um, because people would shoot the tanks and the tanks, the tanks had so much health pools, plus all the healing, they wouldn't actually die. Um, I think that's a totally different conversation we can have another time. Uh, I do think they're going a little too hard on her too fast, though. I do like that they're, like, trying to be more active. We're not having Sojourn 2.0, um, where it's, like, two months, which is good. 
but I, I think they're going too hard for both the ultimate and the pylon. Um, when I originally played the player, like, and I didn't play her that much. I had to like training range. I like did a little bit of experimentation. I watched some like other people's like uh, uh, footage, like when they had like scrimmed her and like played with her. And I was like, you know, her ult seems really strong, but now that it's been out and I've played it in a few times, her ult is definitely still strong and impactful, but it's not as broken as I thought. Um, the only thing I would probably think is I don't really like the can of worms that's been opened just with Vermatra of things going through shields. Um, and like, that's the only thing I would be, I'd be willing to be like, okay, like, you know, it not going through shields. I'm cool with that. Uh, but I think they're going a little harder and a little fast. I think it's okay to let her be meta for a bit. Um, and, and I've actually changed my balance philosophy in the last like few months is we're surely never going to be happy. No one, like nobody ever. Um, we're all going to always disagree about balance. So as long as the game's getting shaken up and we got to have some fun along the way, I think that's the best thing possible. Let people have their two to three weeks or, or a month of fun of Ilari in comp. Don't nuke her off the planet. Let her hit there. You know, let, let them have a good time. I'd love to see it in contenders and world cup and stuff like that as well. Um, so I hope they reconsider and they don't uh, they don't send us back to Sombra Tracer meta because uh, I'd love <laughs> to see her pop off a little bit more and, and see some high skill play of the games and pop off moments. That'd be, I think, the best thing for the community and best thing for all players. Okay, ML7. That's, yeah. That was a lot to take in. We're going we're gonna to really break down every part of Iliari right. now. So, no, no, I appreciate it. It's good. I wanted your guys' POV, so we've got it now. So, ML, let's break it down. You were a big proponent of the turret healer that you were like i want a turret healing okay. thing turret support okay. the turret that heals is what i mean and not the hero okay. yeah but the turret is the healer is what i mean the not the support not the support so it's the turret to healing it does more you got to focus it down so that takes time from them so it's still a support ability but primarily does healing in that case for right. example you can put a pylon deck that might heal and you can hide behind them with your goal teammate they're gonna look deck. you're not gonna get healed and you're gonna use your ultimate behind them and flank and get a 5k like that i was trying to do that in quick play like use it as bait so it's not a healing pylon, although it's in the name, so I'll give you that. Okay, okay, okay. But I see, I see. You've been prepared. Usages. You've been prepared. Okay, so, here? but do you feel like, do you agree with the point that maybe it's actually too strong in, in like the metal ranks or like people won't even be able to shoot it? Um, the thing is that it has a pretty short range. You can kind of see it. And uh, I think that in low ranks, people will, look, will walk outside of its range. Like you can't just throw it in the open. And if you throw it on the side, you can go past the wall. And let's be honest, line of sight, when teammates line of sight to you as a support is one of the worst feelings possible. And you do get punished for bad target placement. Like if you take damage, if you take damage on the pylon and you want to reset it for three seconds after the damage stop, you get a 15 second cooldown. But I do think that the pylon is too strong. And I hope that they're going to address probably the fact that it stays up permanently. But then again... That's one of the fun things about her. You throw the pylon, you leave it, you control that area, and then you go do something else. Rather than just staying at the back and being, um, as Flat said, a healer. As Flat said over there. Uh, it's supporting <laughs> that healer, you know what I mean? It's supporting that healer. So maybe this would encourage you to play more as a support rather than, than a healer in that case. How do you feel about the people who've kind of are, are resentful almost at how much damage Iliari can do. Like, I've seen a lot of people be like, well, she she does as much damage right. as DPSs. Well, well, of course. Like, what, what do you want supposed to do? You want supposed to stay there in the back and do, like, 20 damage and stuff? They got to fight back. And for everybody that has played support, have you had games in which you feel like your tanks don't take enough space to get kills or your DPSs don't land their shots? 
Come on. Like sometimes you just stay over there in the back and try to support them and nothing happens. Well, Iliage comes in and is one of the heroes that I would say more of a Kiagi support. Like you would go Zenyara and just go for kills. Go Wana and just look for a flank. Go Kiriko and just do that. And Iliage, Iliage brings that to the game. So um, I'm okay with the damage. I'm okay with the damage. And it's not that exaggerated, to be honest. Like they gave her a headshot modifier of 1.5 instead of 2. And I think she's the only hero in the game right now that has 1.5 headshot modifier. It does... It doesn't do like 150 because like her body shots are 75. So it might be worth it to just do 75 damage. Just, just go for body shots. Interesting. I, I have one, one more actual question on the specifics of Iliadi, and then I'm going to open it up to a wider support discussion that I'm curious for Flats and, or Flats and Frito. Yeah. So the alt then, the alt is getting nerfed. You've, I, you shared a clip. I had, I had a couple alts where it's just like this thing, the hitbox of this thing is massive. We're not talking and about the clip. I mean, it just gets eaten up by everything under the sun, and it like randomly clips onto buildings all the time. So, in terms of the, I I saw there was like a leaked patch of what might be the nurse the ultimate, which is that what Flat said it won't go through shields, is one the change they were looking to make. Do you feel like that's okay? And do you feel like maybe they could investigate the hitbox a little bit? I think they should not look into nerfing the ultimate. I think that ultimate is would be broken in Overwatch 1, but in Overwatch, when everybody's stacked up together, but in Overwatch 2, it's pretty hard to get a good ult off. You have a lot of ways to, you can eat it, you can deflect it, it has a huge hitbox, and even if it's going to get a reduced hitbox, I think that they're going to clip the same, they're going to keep the same eatability of it, the same deniability of it. So you as a player, maybe landing it might be a little bit harder, but I could see them probably keeping the same range the same size of it for the defense matrix. Now, if I would like them to nerf the size, it's it's pretty annoying sometimes. Like I have some opportunities in which I can just throw my ultimate in the back line and then Augusta just does this. And on one hand, I'd love to get a big ult. I see it, but on the other hand, I know she's gonna eat it. So it gets, a, I have a small mind game. Do I go for it? Do I not go for it? Based on the hit box. I don't think they're gonna change the size of it though. Because it's literally a sun. Like, do we expect a tiny sun? No, it's whoa, a big ultimate. Which will create hype moments. Like, imagine get that ultimate in. And you're not watching Overwatch. You see everybody just, boom, just explode afterwards. Yeah, I think it's it's a real hype moment indicator. I think I've already seen, you know, the explosion, like you said earlier, is very visceral. It's like, boom, everybody. You like, we like explosions. That's why we play video games. We like seeing shit blow up. Um, but... I will now take it first to Frito and then Flats as well on a wider support discussion. So, you know, ML's already addressed a few of the potential critiques of, of the damage she does, the pylon, whatever. But I've heard a few people say that there's just like getting to healing creep again, right? Like this was a problem in Overwatch 1 where people were like, the healing is doing too much. And Flats kind of alluded to this as well. Has there been too much healing from the supports? Before ML gets mad at me, has there been too much healing from the supports? And Iliadi's ability to drop a pylon and then heal the character on top of that, plus you add another support who maybe has multiple sources of healing. Stuff doesn't die. Unsalted Souls tweeting about how tanks, like, you know, nothing dies and we're, fuck we're fucked roll, no one wants to play tank anymore. Do you agree, firstly, Frito, that there's a, maybe a fundamental problem we're approaching? I think, without a doubt, power creeps back in the game. Um, as of this patch, more or less, it's a combination. Ilari is not even necessarily the the worst uh, proponent of this. Like you guys are worried about the, the pylon being uh overkill heals for lower ranks, but the the real winner is Life Weaver, who only really gets beaten by dive and angles and like being able to take space. But at lower ranks, Life Weaver was already good, even in a weaker uh, space. 
And then they just kept putting his numbers up in a way that I was not a huge fan of. Like Life Weaver plays like a new version of Brig, in my opinion, where it's just a defensive play style, over health, lots of heals on on range targets. And I love playing Life Weaver. I just wish that they added some sort of uh, offensive buff to your team or or for him himself, as opposed to just making more stats for everyone on your team. And I think that's kind of a, a mistake of a route to go down because let, what, what do they go next? Like, let's say this isn't good enough to, to make him good. They're going to, what's the, the next buff they're going to do? Cause I already think it's obnoxious to play against. So uh, I blame it more so on him in terms of uh, healing overkill. Cause there's a, but there's a lot of things in the game where the, the numbers just keep going up. Like um, if you think of it from an overwatch one to two point of view, things like, Batiste's burst heal on regenerative burst is just like a nuts ability that would never have even been acceptable in Overwatch 1 with two tanks. But because that there's only one tank now, like the support role has increased in power in a way to kind of um, supplement that that missing sustain for the team. And in many ways, I like that because I love playing support. It's, it's my favorite role. It's not even close. But um, it, I also think it adds to some problematic design. And I don't know what else they can necessarily do. Like... With if the expectation of because the, the alternative there's a few ways this this can go it's like at the launch of the game the game felt kind of naked in a way where it was mobility supports have to run for their lives just play the mobile ones get away and tanks kind of just hard w'd wherever they wanted it, a bit Th then it kind of stabilized down with the zen buffs and a lot of the other supports getting buffed and now it's a bit more as as salt is explaining we've talked about on this podcast a lot where tanking is a lot more um patient <laughs> it's a lot more exchange okay. of cooldowns a lot a lot more like you got to have 10 things before you go right before you can go in and support feels more fortified in that way where you can hold your position and play the shooter game half the time or pump resources into the tank you have a lot of uh flexibility to that degree i just think it's like shifted a bit too far in the support category's favor um for my liking and um overall those stats i think hurt the the lower ranks much right. more and it's not just Ilari, it's just like the whole role in general where pumping heals into the uh the tank that that's like how they played the game anyway right so the more stats you you give those things the kind of uh the lamer that becomes and i, I think like on the other end of it they're also buffing strange things with power creep where like Torb gets buffed, Bastion gets buffed. A lot of these characters that aren't going to make a top one percent impact anyway. But like, uh, if you feel like you're struggling to outdo the healing, just like pick Bastion, I guess now because that, like he's just got all this all this firepower to stand there and shoot. Because if that's like the meta you're going to play, uh, that that that's what the devs are like designing yeah. in to say this is the answer to this. But I'm like, hold on a second, why can't we just like scale both these things back and be closer to what I liked, which was on launch. It was like a much more mobile free game, which was about positioning, less about abilities, which I, I like this version too. Don't don't get me wrong. Like I, I like both versions, but I'm right. just like concerned a bit. Right. I mean, Flats, I saw your face kind of like the expression of someone who's like reliving his past trauma came into your mind there as Frito mentioned what, what it was like for tanks. And again, I think there's been discussion that the tank, the queue times are, are rising again. Uh, how do you feel about the, the sort of premise about the power of the support category versus let's say the power of the tank category. So, I mean, if you looked at it, I don't know about your chats, but if your chat looked like my chat about three minutes ago, uh, I think it's just and more proof that we will literally never agree on balance ever. Like 
you know, talking about like life weaver, half people were like, oh, he's good. And like other half is like, no, he's fine. Like, oh no, he does too much. I, I can't even tell you how many uh, bronze to gold TikToks I got tagged in when I was like, yeah, like, like last season. I was like, yeah, life weaver got some buffs and he's better, but he's still not good. And they're all like, what do you mean? He's insane. And they're just like, it's clips of just them healing their tank over and over and over and it not dying. Um, so that's why, I mean, I said like three months, remember when I said like three or four months ago, the tank was starting to go downhill and it wasn't that fun and everyone got really, really mad at me. Uh, surprise. Now we're here. <laughs> so, uh, well, I mean, I don't disagree. Um, I do think the numbers have gotten insane, but it, I don't think it's just support fault. I don't think it's support fault. I think it's just in general. I think that damage numbers for tanks, damage numbers for DPS and damage numbers for supports and healing numbers have all gotten too high for what the health pools are. Um, even even if we look back at Overwatch 1, Overwatch 2, something as simple as Ryan went from 75 damage a swing to 85 damage a swing, and now that feels kind of too low, you know? And it's like, now you can get there if you're lucky, and if you do get there, you, you can't kill him because, like, you know, it used to take two, three, four swings with someone healing them, but now it's, it's way more than that. Uh, so it's like, where do we go from here? It's like, I don't think it's any character individual's fault. I don't think it's um, one character being too strong than the other. I think it's just the constant rising of the tides of wanting to keep things relevant. And in my personal opinion, uh, I think there's two things. I think the reason why this patch feels so good and it feels fun like to play right now uh, is because time to kill has gone up significantly. Back in season three, um, you know, season two, season three, even season four a little bit, when we were all talking about like, hey, we're like, you know, things aren't too fun right now. Because um, like, let's be honest, that's what was the sentiment. One shots were the big one, right? Season two, there was like the Roadhog and season one, like, you know what I mean? Like people were talking about how fast things were, like you could instantly die. That's still kind of true, but not really. Um, you either explode or you never die. Uh, and I don't know if that's a good place to be because you're completely reliant, especially as a tank player, on one, uh, being extremely careful with doing anything proactive. If you go to make a play, if you try to do something aggressive, if you try to like make some space, if it's not perfectly timed, you haven't tracked all their cooldowns, you don't know, like your supports are watching you, whatever, you can just pop like a balloon, like instantly. Um, and it's not a problem for the, like the lower, like your metal ranks. It's a disconnect from like more higher ranks type of deal. Cause like the focus fire is much better, but also your higher rank supports know that they need to be doing more damage. They need to be doing more, um like support things pressure um so it puts this it gets in this really weird spot of like what happens now um because i do think the time to kill has gotten a lot better and even things like the hanzo nerf which i personally didn't like but it kind of you know i kind of understand it you know like if, I, if you were pe like peeking over a ledge and a hanzo climbed up to you just one shot you instantly it was like ah i got one shot by hanzo but now they have to climb up then pull it back and then hit you there's like an extra step almost before they kill you. And I think they've done a great job with removing a lot of the uh, the one shots or toning them down so they don't feel as bad anymore. But the trade-off has been most people don't like when their character gets nerfed. They get very True. upset. I mean, you saw with the most recent Anna nerfs, um, which I didn't totally agree with, but like you see when like certain characters get like changed, like Mercy got nerfs and then... Uh, <laughs> Uh, who else? Were, who else were the big ones that got nerfed that people lost, like lost their mind over? I'm trying to remember. Well, when but... like Widow got nerfed, I remember people losing their minds. Oh, and... the Widow nerfs. Yeah, whenever a character gets nerfed, that's when people get very, very angry. But when a character gets buffed, it's like, eh, was that needed? It's like, it's like the response is more either like negligible or like slightly positive. So at this point, instead of like pissing everybody off, they just kind of like slowly raise everybody one at a time. And now we've gotten to the point where 
if we're not willing to um, like bring the numbers down, is it time to talk about bringing health numbers up globally? Because like that brings the time to kill up more. It keeps you from exploding. But then at the, there's another trade-off there of like, you know, like now you're just extending it even longer. So now you actually have to bring the numbers down. So if we think healing is too much and damage is too much, do we need more health and less healing and less damage? Like, like and more damage, where, where do we where do we fall anymore? Because I think one mm-hmm. of the biggest complaints of DPS players at this point is they feel that support does just as much damage as they do. And sometimes right. when you hit tab, that's pretty true. Nothing against those support players. Like they're doing well, they're playing their role well, <laughs> but like, should Ilari do as much damage as like Sojourn? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that always happens, but hypothetically saying, you know what right. I mean? Yeah, I, I, I will I will give in here now a chance for ML, who's been very patient, he's been cooking, he's been listening to all this. So uh, actually, an interesting p- uh, position there from Flats at the end, which I'll ask your opinion on first, and then ML the rest of the thing as well. Firstly, is there a need for like a, maybe a, a global look at numbers, a, a health buff up, damage healing numbers down, or are you fine with it? And then obviously the, the question itself about the support category and how much it does or doesn't do and whether it's been crept or not. All right, let's get it started. Yes. So... First things first, team comps and usually like heroes that are strong in Overwatch are revolving around stacking one stat, it being hypermobility, it being one shots, it being just grouping up together and taking corners. Buffing Orisa with 50 extra health, giving Bastion 50 healing when he goes in turret mode, 50 armor. Symmetra has the possibility of healing up herself a little bit of the shields. I don't know how that mechanic works exactly, but I know that she can heal up herself now a little bit encourages you to just stack more and more and more and more healing. This might be a direct consequence of one-shots being nerfed that can cut to this much because of the burst damage that you have. You can't... So, like, you have burst damage or sustained damage. Now, if you have burst damage, we have people that say it's unfun to play in an FPS to get sniped halfway across the map when it's an FPS. But then if you have sustained damage and then you get blown up, then every cooldown is being thrown at me like where's the middle ground here but we might be facing in the future a meta in which would be very similar to goats in which you're just going to stack a lot of hp together and a lot of healing and you can't cannot cut through everybody which is fun to a certain extent for a little bit but afterwards it might become a little bit upsetting to play you know so i do agree with the fact that sustain right now in the game is a little bit too high it's a little bit too much but it's not a consequence of the numbers that we have healing-wise. It is maybe a consequence of health pools, maybe a consequence of giving sustain to other heroes as well. Because, for instance, if I'm playing support, I have a term. I don't know uh, how else to classify it. I say heroes that are self-sufficient, as in they don't need my care that much. So like a, a tank like Sigma, he can regenerate his shield. I don't have to stay in the back and heal him, so I can do something extra. But a tank like Reinhardt is not self-sufficient because he has no way of regenerating his HP. So I have to stay close to him. I have to take care of him. And then I can do some stuff. Now, the right way to approach it is no way because we can't agree on this. Like, it's an FPS, but then we have a lot of health pool, but then we we remove some one-shots, but then we don't remove some one-shots. At the end of the day, the philosophy of the goals, I think, has to be taken into consideration when they're thinking about how they want the game to be played. 
DPSs are looking for damage opportunities, and this is where I feel like a lot of disconnect in the community sometimes uh, is when you press tab and you see that supports have higher numbers than DPS. There's a difference in numbers. I'm sorry. <laughs> a Widow with 600 damage on Ilios Ruins sometimes does more than a Baptiste with 4,000 damage. The pressure that that DPS can bring, it's about efficient damage, not about quantity, but about efficiency. I agree that sometimes DPSs have a hard time maybe securing kills and stuff, right? This is why Kiriko, I think, got nerfed. Because you're afraid of going on Kiriko as Tracer because you can get headshot meleeed. You can't do that anymore. You got a headshot and then body shot. But that doesn't mean that you don't have counter play around that. For tanks, they got a tank. Like, they, they, they got to take corners. They got to take, take space. And unfortunately, the one tank and players are probably going to focus the big target in front of them, right? Or ignore them and go past them in the back line like you would against Orisa. And supports... Primarily offer utility through healing, surprisingly, but it can also do other stuff as well. So I think that maybe making the role stronger at what they do and what they should specialize in is the way to go in the future. Like, why can Bastion heal himself? We remove that. Why can Sim regenerate HP? Why did we make maybe there are other ways to make tanks, in my opinion, better at taking space and at having more fun in playing at it than just buffing up their HP? Because then what are we becoming? We're becoming first person World of Warcraft rather than an FPS hero shooter. Can I ask a question to you? Yeah. So are you proposing kind of like remember that old creator patch where like tanks did like 25% less damage? Are you proposing something like where they do less damage, but like maybe they're tankier? No, the other way around. Yeah, Maybe not more. I think that they do sufficient damage, but they might be a little bit too tanky, so you want to, like, stack that HP as a support. As a philosophy, you think they should do... They should be less tanky than they are now? Hmm. I would disagree with that. I think tank is... Tank then, is definitely still tanky. It's just, like, it's it's extremes, you know? It's like, you don't die, or you instantly explode. That's the unfun part. I, I'd love to have a middle ground somewhere. Then the problem is like, <clears throat> so if you make them squishier, then they're just going to be tanky DPS. And if you make yep. them tankier, then the complaint will be that, but I'm getting slipped, anti, discorded, everything. I'm not having fun. I'm not playing tank. Ideally speaking, it's a personal choice. But I feel like if you're playing tank, you'll probably be focused a lot. And you're probably going to be taking a lot of those abilities. So maybe, yeah, it's, it's, you it's a big question. It is a tricky one. I agree with you. I think you should be like that should happen, but I also shouldn't explode just because I'm like, like we have to take an engagement, right? We have to take the fight somewhere. It's like Overwatch for years was like making the first move, right? Like if you were the aggressor, if you made the first decision, you didn't play like passive and you didn't know what to do, you were kind of rewarded for it. Um, it feels very much now where it's like so much patience or so much waiting. You gotta wait for all the buttons to come out, or you gotta wait for someone to make a mistake. It's not about forcing mistakes or like making plays i'd love to see a middle ground somewhere so i i kind of like that philosophy i just uh i don't know how to accomplish it of the, like the windows of opportunities have closed they're smaller now so you, yeah. you gotta like wait a little bit because you have less heroes and like if when the off tank you could make like some mistakes and walk forward and then the off tank would have your back or the other way around you could walk there and then the other tank would have your back but right yeah. now if you do one misstep then you might suffer consequences because of that. I don't have like the same luxury as you had before in this. And this is a direct consequence, in my opinion, because of one tank. Because mm -hmm. you don't have the other one that can maybe cover up for some mistakes sometimes, you know, like waiting for cooldowns to be baited or baiting cooldowns. And sometimes playing proactively 
can also mean baiting the enemy's cooldowns. It's not necessarily, I have to go in, it's, I'm gonna do it like Cloudy plays with Reinhardt. He goes in the back line, he's taking a lot of damage, three people look at him, that's space. Instantly, that just clicks, space, space, space. Yes, he's gonna get anti yes, he's gonna get discorded, yes. But he's having fun while doing that, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's... I think tanks do a little bit too much damage, maybe. So maybe a little bit tank here and less damage, but then the consequence would be that that's threatening. How are you gonna cut with that? You know, because at the same time, I'm I'm not enjoying like looking at an Ogista in front of me that never dies, that got buffed. Yeah. So, well, also then they don't the think... tanks don't kill anything because that was what people feed, fed back on that crater patch that Flats are referencing where they were like, well, yeah, okay, I live, but I don't. I'm five swings and I don't kill this character because they got one heal. So like this is dumb. Go ahead, Flats. I think it was too much something. at that point. Because, like, you did let... I think Ryan Swing did less than Torbhammer. That, that's too much, you know? Like, ah, we got... We went a little too far to pass at that point. But um, I think, actually, you make a really good point. I don't really like the idea of just, like, hardcore buffing certain things like Arissa. Like, right? Like, Arissa's whole shtick at this point is being an immovable wall. And is that really healthy? Is that really good? I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy standing there eating all the abilities, doing nothing really in return unless I like get a nice spear on someone who's isolated and hit every headshot and nobody noticed. They didn't get a heal in the between it. Like that can be like my little moment, but um, I'm with you on that. I don't think it's fun for you and it's not fun for me either. Look at this unity. Look at us. We're Look at this team. The the And I appreciate as well that like, what's clear here is that, you know, we don't really have an answer and this is where you have to have sympathy with the devs because it's it's like it's like a really philosophical problem that you have to find like a deeper holistic solution to rather than just buff this x that because you know this is there there's some like you guys said there's always a give and take you know you you we added a faster pace by removing a tank but that comes with the potential of people getting burst some people prefer the slower playstyle some people prefer the second tank I've been I've been grinding a lot of Dota recently with Fitzy. Um, so my mind is in like a very Dota MOBA space. And I think what when you guys were talking, one thing that it made me think of is just like the impact that items have. Now, before anyone grabs at me, I'm not saying introduce items to Overwatch. But the most important and most relevant item is what's called a Black King Bar, often shortened to a BKB, which when popped makes the character immune to all crowd control for a certain amount of time. When you buy the item, the first usage is 10 seconds and then like eight, I think, and then seven and six. And then it, it bottoms out at six. So you pop it, you get six seconds of anti-CC. I almost wonder if like something along those lines is like something that maybe Overwatch could have for tanks. It's like, a, okay, there's a one moment where like it's like a fortify, I guess, but like a bit more engaging than just Orisa being unkillable, but just it's more just the CC element. It's like, okay, you've eaten a crap ton of CCs now. Now's your chance to like actually be fearless. Just kind of throwing that out there as a spitball, but I'm curious Frito's thoughts as well. Frito, you you haven't kind of said anything in a while, but do you have any ideas for like this holistic problem that these guys have touched on where obviously you want supports to be impactful, you don't want them to get run over. You want DPS to have lethality and not feel like, well, I'm just a worse version of a tank or a worse version of a support. And of course, you want tanks to not die, but feel impactful. So how's like that? How do we address all of this? Yeah, there's quite a lot uh, that I can respond to. So to the Dota point, an interesting thing to keep in mind of the CC immunity is that buying that item 
foregoes your ability to buy something else, which maybe like increases right. your damage or lots of other things. So there's a lot of other options. So you're specifically building to just be able to survive and Dota has many, many stuns. So does Overwatch actually. There's a lot of disables and things. And a problem that we have that we haven't brought up yet in the conversation is like the rock, paper, scissors nature of the tanks. So some of the tanks have these abilities, some of them don't. And then if your enemy has the counter abilities, you lose really, really hard. And I think we're just giving a lot of different examples of what power creep sounds like. And I, I, you know, I don't know if we're all in agreement that that's the, the case of what's happening, but if you feel that it reminds me of overwatch one, basically we could transport to overwatch one now and draw a parallel line to now where if you were as a Reinhardt out of position in overwatch one in certain eras, let's say the power creep eras, the damage numbers were so high in order to compete with the healing numbers that out of position, boom, you're dead. Whereas now in Overwatch 2, with the healing numbers being high, you sustain longer in position, but you melt more instantly out of position. Because the way the design of the game has been scaled up is that the high damage numbers are there to try to compete against the high heal numbers. Heal numbers. So that makes it like more death ball in a way for it to function. And then when you're outside of that death ball, then things are like very severe and they smash you in the face. Where... Uh, maybe earlier versions of Overwatch 2, it was a bit more free-flowing and fluid and what engagements hit you and how you could flexibly reposition. Whereas now, there's some matchups. If you're out of position, you auto-lose instantly, and it's just a, a straight-up a like rock-paper-scissors matchup, I, I feel, based on the, the hero compositions. So um, I think also, despite me preferring one over the other, I think a lot of players do like that as well like they want to be able to select different heroes and have them have a, a big impact on the game um i just you know i i wish we had other systems maybe to <laughs> incentivize this rather than forcing the numbers uh through to jack them up in order to, to 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 create that effect so i my bigger takeaway is just being thankful for the design of 5e5 that despite all of these problems seemingly everywhere, it's like you still have so much individual agency as a player that uh, other than being on tank where you just have to <laughs> pick from a rote chart of what is acceptable to play. Oh, the other four players uh, have like quite a lot of freedom to express themselves and um, play a shooter game for real. It's just like the tank problem. It, it's just the, it's just not so fun anymore. In, in, catching this L because it's it's the same it's all the same problems we had in Overwatch 1 just back in Overwatch 2 now that, that's how I feel like imposition resources going your way holding this and you know I it's it's funny to me that they spent all this time to rework the role <laughs> to make it play different and then now we're like kind of arriving at the same place as far as, as far as I can tell yeah Flats a quick word on that before we potentially move on uh I mean you're kind of I don't know it it's actually got to the point where I don't have an answer anymore. Uh, my only concern and fear is that uh, I think tank is by far the sl the lowest amount of players in the game, like below support, below DPS, etc. Uh, and I'm worried that because of that, our voices aren't as loud. Um, and I kind of I kind of know that it's going to be the counter swap game. I understand that when I load in now, uh, but you know, how do you fix that? Is that just a new Overwatch? Do I just do you just got to accept that at all times? Um, I know there's obviously you know exceptions in certain things with certain comps and you know and especially high level play can be different. But even in World Cup, we saw I think I had Kron on my stream and he was like, yeah, there's two comps. There's the the teams that run the the somber tracer that are good, and then there's the bad teams that just run the counters to whatever they're running. Um, 
And it's like the bad teams still found success, like the quote bad teams, uh, by just running the counter comps to them all the time, and they would still win games. Uh, and so it's it's good, but it's also I don't know, it's not the most fun in my opinion. I don't really have an answer, uh, but I do agree with the sentiment. Tank has become a lot less fun overall than where it was uh, before. Um, but I wish I had an easy solution to offer you. I just don't want to get left behind in the dust and. You know, be every every support and TPS player's best friend to queue with because I have 10 second queue times again. <laughs> ML, a quick word as well. I, I saw you kind of thinking over some things there or, or anything that's been yeah. spoken about. Yeah, I feel like we're talking a lot about rock, paper, scissors for tanks, but it's the same for every role. Like, if I see the enemy team comp, I go back, I swap. If they, if I see that they play with those heroes, even if it's one or two, I swap. It's I think that's a consequence of the fact that right now it's only one tank rather than two. So maybe it's a thing with Hugo pools. Maybe I'm saying like for me, when I first started playing, I was playing a lot of Ana, and I realized that in some team comps, Ana would not work. But after thousands of hours, of course, like with a lot of experience and stuff, and then I added more and more and more heroes. Would I personally have fun in let's say a Zen Brig meta, which I don't like to play that much? Probably it would take me some time to get used to that. And I feel like it's a lot of pressure on tanks that just played main tank or just played off tank to respond to this rock, paper, scissor. It might not be necessarily a problem with Overwatch and stuff, with, with, with the fact that you've got a contact swap, which is how Overwatch has been advertised, right? Like you swap to the hero to contact that hero and stuff rather than pick agents at the beginning of the game and uh, just stick with that those agents until the end. But sometimes it might feel too... Like you can't play... Leave Ana alone with a dive comp without a brick next to you sometimes. You know, like you're just going to get dived. It shouldn't be that clear some moments. And of course, like you're going to have like some situations in which Sigma is best on long range sniper maps because that's how his kit works. And I think that we're seeing this a lot right now in Overwatch 2 compared to Overwatch 1. When in Overwatch 1, if some heroes work strong, you'd see them played in the majority of maps. But map design-wise is one of the ways to bypass this whole rock, paper, scissor thingy. Hello, Olaf. In which you would just... Okay, fine. Junkertown, snipers, those are the best picks. That's it. So maybe maps that are specifically designed for some heroes in mind would be a good way to do this. So that you would have like... This is how I envisioned. This is how I envisioned. This is how I feel like I would be very hype if I would watch it casually. I'd be like, oh my god. My team is going to play dive on this map that they picked. Oh, I can't wait. They win this one. But then they're going to play against uh, Cloudy, for example, and that's a gosh map. So they got to play Reinhardt. They don't have a good Reinhardt. So, ah, yeah, yeah, kind of bad. I think this might create, this might be better overall. I like that take, yeah. actually. It's a good one. I actually disagree with the map take, actually, that the maps make the maps create diversity. Because I think what ends up happening is my mind is, is channeling to Samido with his destroying Circuit Royale, you know, vendetta and like. We end up in Havana again is the problem. Like you make a map that's like, this is the sniper map. You get Par like every time we've done that, it's been bad. We had Paris. It was bad. We had Havana. It, like no one likes it. Circle Real, everyone's mad at the second point. If you, f if the map forces your hero picks, where's the, f to me, where's the fun? If it's like, oh, I load up and I know that we're going to have to run. That's not agency. I don't get, to I don't get any say in that. I'm either good at Widowmaker and I hope my DPS is or I'm not. So, like, to me, that I actually disagree with that take quite strongly, ML. No, you think no, that's still the case in after the nerfs, though? Because they did nerf Widow. And I Lando. have no fucking clue because I barely played Overwatch since I came back. So I will I will totally say that if, if, <laughs> if like... Same uh, as well. <laughs> it's definitely not insta-lose anymore. Like, if you load in, they have Widow Hanzo, and you don't have a hitscan player, it's not insta-lose. Mm -hmm. But, like... They're stronger. You can, 
they're definitely still stronger yeah okay yeah i mean it will always end up falling to one extreme i think the the inherent problem is that it's only ever a problem away from being oppressive like it's only ever oops looks like rush is very very strong and now we've got the rush map well like better hope we can play rush or we just lose i mean for that, that's just my philosophy in general i always want the individual to feel like they can come into any game and be like all right what i'm doing is impactful as opposed to oops my guy plays winston on uh, li jang tower control center or whatever gg right like that's never fun so well that's just I, me go ahead i think right that up until master is gone master with top 500 i think you can play any comp any hero anywhere and still get value this is true, but I also think that that's if you're looking at it from perspective of purely being like hyper competitive and like I want to be as good as possible. There's also the fun element, which is just not that fun to get counterpicked and and to be like just lose because like my matchup is bad. And there can be some element. I'm not saying that like, it's impossible for there to not be matchups. That's like a must have if you're gonna have two different characters. But I do think like I see a lot of players in the metal ranks just feel like. I don't have that much time to hard grind my perfection on 10 tanks. I like a couple tanks. And the fact that this guy picks AFK tank and wins is upsetting to me and makes me not want to play because my return of investment well, is not there. Well, then what happens if there's one tank that works on every map and you're not playing that tank? Like, like Junker Queen a couple couple seasons ago. Well, right? again, Junker Queen, for example. There, like there's a middle ground. There's a middle ground between this. Like, I don't think every tank should be perfect in every situation i just think that obviously it's an ideal that I, I fully acknowledge cannot always be realized it's like in a perfect ideal it's like well they shouldn't be like you gotta pick this tank or you lose and, it, and again the rock paper scissors definitely and it's again you could say well if you're a diamond you can just be good and win on winston look at boger to his unranked gm but like but how much better do you have to be on winston when that guy's running diva like how much better do you have to be on them even in diamond for them to not just chase you around. I mean, even Boger tells me all the time, he's like, I hate D.Va, like, he's chasing me around the map and I lose. And it's like, that guy's like the best Winston player, you know, at one of the tops. So it's like, that is a source of frustration that I think is part of the fundamental problems that need to be looked at. I, wanna, I wanted to quickly ask, because a couple of you guys mentioned, you know, 5v5, 6 We don't have any, there's, there's been a rising bring back 6v6. Do we have any 6v6ers in the call? No? Everyone's shaking their head. Rose-tinted glasses there. Okay, well, this leads nicely. Any... Go ahead. Go ahead, Frito. I was just going to say, I think any problem that you wanted to mention about the game now would just be exacerbated with 6v6. I think it's just, like, objectively worse uh, for multiple reasons. I think well, this is a leads... good example of BAP. BAP was thought it was broken. Lamp was broken. Overwatch 2 hits. Lamp gets half the value it used to. And feels fair, in my opinion. And he gets to shoot more yep. of the enemy, as opposed to just shooting a shield... Like, it, we're, we're on, like, a negative path on the whole, like, map point. Uh, I, I think, for me, not being able to select your map in any way possible is kind of a, just the, the, main, the bigger issue above that. And we bring this up most podcasts, so I <laughs> fear hitting the bingo card too hard. But, like, uh, not be, like in CSGO, for example, and I think the, the truth... Okay, backpedaling twice. I think the truth that we have to admit about Overwatch 2 is it's a lot more competitive of a game in terms of, of map selection, and it's pretty punishing in a way if you don't have the right hero for the map. Whereas I think with Overwatch 1, there was a more unified design of, like, 
chokes. Like this is just a game about getting through chokes. Hold hands together, get through the choke. Whereas Overwatch 2, it's like, you know, the, the difference between a sniper map and a brawly map, it's 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 more severe, I think. At, whereas in one, you could put more tanks in the way or something. Uh, like the team comps carried a bigger percentage of the weight of your interaction with the game. Whereas now the map angles, they add a new cover spot. All of a sudden now it, 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 it feels very different to me anyway, when they keep tweaking these maps, make new angles. It's like, if I feel like more things are viable all of a sudden once they, they tweak them, like Gibraltar is probably one of the, the better uh, examples for that. But also um, I'm thinking like, any, anyway, whatever. I, I wish we had an option to be able to select maps somehow. I'm not exactly sure that the right way to go about it, but it's going to be brutal to your gameplay experience. So it being random on the teammates you get and random on the map you get makes for a, a really inconsistent experience that I think is uh, unnecessary. And we could be having a lot more fun with the game if we could somehow, some of the time, get angle it closer to our comfort zones and preferences which maybe is not the most competitive um, suggestion because pure randomness means that you'll have to play all the maps. And I think that's the reason behind it, behind mm -hmm. uh, their decision to do that. But um, I don't know if we have the most competitive system to begin with. <laughs> so that's where I land on that. Well, just talking about all this, you know, these fundamental problems and, and how people long for 6v6 and roasting the glasses leads me nicely to... Uh, another large discussion point is the Steam reviews, which a lot of us have been talking about a lot and has dominated what was supposed to be a very great piece of news for Overwatch, which is like, hey, it's on it's on Steam now. And then it kind of became all about this, it's being review bombed, like it's the most negatively rated game of all time on Steam. And and it may be, like, I don't know, I don't know, we, it's hard to know what Unofficial? damage. I, I think I saw, I remember I seeing saw like... top uh, 10, I didn't know if it was... Sorry. I just remember at some point seeing an article headline that said it is now the most, you know, negatively. It's not good. Yes. Either way, it's not good. And it's hard to know exactly how much damage it has done or if it's purely a cosmetic thing and it's not actually influencing or watch at all. But I'm just curious as to your guys' thoughts on it. I'm going to start with ML because this kind of like this brings back up the what I call the hater shield paradox of, of content creation or just generally being a, a member of the Overwatch community is you're either a hater or you're a shill or you're both at the same time. And a lot of people have felt like actually this criticism is deserved. Other people have felt like it's actually been falsely propagated by the amount of negativity that content creators have, have pushed on to the, to the you know, reputation of Overwatch. And I'm curious if you had any thoughts on any of that. Wait, can you hear me? Okay. Yes. You're good. Um... Regarding the whole videos with the titles and the thumbnails and stuff, I do think that it did contribute, but it was not the main thing. So it, the game, I think that the game is bigger than this because even though a video would have 100,000 views with a click-through rate of 10%, that's still a million people that have seen the title and the thumbnail that did not check the content and that they might see multiple videos like that and they might get the idea that this is what's happening and this is their opinion on the whole situation. This being said, with all the negative reviews, I do think that if you try Overwatch, there's no way you're going to be like, this This game is the worst uh, game ever. So, yeah, that's my two cents on this. I just want to unpack that a little bit. You know, you So you feel like it is impactful and ha does it, do you think it's like done a disservice to Overwatch almost? Like, do you think the negative negativity of like the thumbnails, the titles has been unfair? Like it's been not reflective of what Overwatch actually is. 
or the news that's come out is not reflective of the truth of the news. It did influence it. Not mainly, though. It not was mainly. a big factor. Okay. So yeah. what would you say is like, what do you think is the, is the reason behind all these negative Steam reviews? Like, what do you think is more the real reason? A set of, um, a set of factors, I guess. Around this, like, you see that thumbnail, you see that title, you hop in game, you see a Reddit post, you have a bad experience in game, and then everything just piles up. You see somebody else say the same thing, and then you get this. A set of unfortunate events, better said. A series like a of unfortunate events. That was cooking, I guess. Interesting. Okay, I will, I will come back to you and unpack it a little bit more. I'm going to take it to Flats next. Flats, I know you're a little bit exhausted, so I won't ask you to, to kind of go too long, because I know you've kind of... You've unfortunately been in the mud while I've while I've been away. You've been kind of dealing with this front on, and I've seen you know uh, I'll say it myself. I've seen people be like, "Oh well, Flats and Stylosa are the reason that Overwatch has bad reviews because these guys are negative." So I won't ask you to, to talk on it too much. But while we're on the podcast, you want to address this idea on the podcast itself that sure. you and other content creators, by the nature of your thumbnails, your titles, and and just your negativity and doomerness, have have. This is the what we. This is the fruit that we we reap. Then Steam reviews. Well, what content is is what when people watch content they relate to it. They resonate with it. They agree with it. Typically, um, if they don't like something and it don't doesn't resonate with them, they won't watch it. Uh, I do think it's actually very funny uh, that a lot of my more positive things, like I actually released two videos on the same day, uh, but a, a couple weeks ago, it was the Steam. The it was coming to Steam. And Overwatch League news the same day. I remember, like that was like a big thing. Like they didn't tell them that it was going to happen. Um, and the Overwatch League one got like 120k views or something. The Steam one was like barely 40k. The Steam one literally says in it, "This is good for Overwatch." The Overwatch League one is, "This is bad for Overwatch League." People more relate to Blizzard slash Overwatch not being good, um, and that's realistically what the game has sown over the last seven years. For us to sit here and pretend that's not actually the case is kind of lunacy. Uh, for the PVE thing was like the straw that broke the camel's back for a lot of people. People didn't like Overwatch 2 because they were quote-unquote losing Overwatch 1. The amount of people who thought that they were paying for the for the PVE with the Flashpoint pack, that's not, that wasn't true. Like, the the idea, and, and I understand what ML is saying, but the idea of people being too ignorant to actually read the fine print or actually watch the content is not on the fault of the person who puts it out. That's like saying it's Blizzard's fault for selling the Watchpoint pack because they then implied that you were getting PV for free. It nowhere in there said that. Yeah, was the Watchpoint pack a little strange to sell? Maybe. But they also had to turn the cert, like they had to turn off the game, like selling the game because they were moving to Overwatch 2. And they also wanted to incentivize people to get into Overwatch 2. And they also sold it with the idea of getting into the beta. So like, remember the first beta, the only way you could get in by watching a Twitch stream? Well, that kind of blew up. Um... But it's like, what? how do you get into beta 2? Well, they were kind of like, well, what if we, like, you know, we kind of put something in and make people pay for it? Yeah, it's a, little, it's a little weird, maybe a little slimy, yeah. But the, it's like the idea of, well, you didn't do your research. Well, you didn't form your own opinion. You followed everybody else's opinion. So because I followed everybody else's opinion, it's your fault. That's kind of like a weird stance for me personally to take as somebody who genuinely believes in constantly being informed about a lot of things in this world. Um, so for me... It's like, well, how do you sit there and, and say like, oh, this is bad. But when if you actually watch any of those videos of the content, it's actually mostly breakdowns. And I actually, you know, I like Stylus. I've never actually had an interaction with them. We don't talk. We don't follow each other on Twitter. I know lots of people that, you know, my friends like Emong, Seagull, they, all they do is speak very highly and say he's like an amazing person. 
but most of the criticism implied other people's videos and were like, it's my fault. I was like, dude, if it's so easy, if I have all of these doomer things, why are half of them all these other things that are not me? And why is there no clips? Like people put my clips of like, yeah, I might be tired after, or I might retire after season six from Overwatch. I still think that now we're in season six now. That is like, oh, season six, day one, see you later. Like I reserve that right as a man and as a human being, I could still do that if I so choose. Because I'm having a good time right now, I just need a piece immediately on, on day one. That's lunacy. You're looking for something to start shit. You want drama. It's the same reason why people jumped on Dante's tweet. I DM Dante. I was like, hey, bro, like, hey, I didn't know if I was in the wrong here. You want to talk about it? And he was like, no, I wasn't even talking about you. I was like, I was memeing and impression farming. And I was like, that's the that's the impression. Like, that was like the way I read his tweet. And that's how it ended up being is the truth. So I understand the sentiment. But I would argue that if you're talking like true content stuff, I would argue that more it's Blizzard slash Overwatch missteps. And you can watch the same thing happen with Diablo. Blizzard was praised for Diablo. And then at when season one hit, that was immediately pulled back. You have your moist criticals. You have your Asmund golds. They talk about a lot of these things, but these are real things that happened. Yeah. Do they spin it and they give it like a, they like make it a little bit more theatrical and emphasis a little bit. Sure. You can argue that, but who want, but like, this isn't like the C like six o'clock CNN news. We're like, good evening. <laughs> Blizzard this evening decided to release the worst balance patch in Diablo 4's history. More news at 11. Like, it's like, that's not what content is. So if you truly are someone that thinks that and believes like, you know, it's like negatively stigma. I don't actually like, I'm not going to fault you for it. Cause I understand where you're coming from. I personally still disagree, but I do also think it's very funny that the ones that are more positive, people don't actually watch it that often because it doesn't resonate with them. And I don't think that that is what the general populace's uh, idea is. And unfortunately, Overwatch kind of made its bed. And that's where we are. And that, But that doesn't mean we can't praise the game for where it's going. And I think this season truly is the first season where our complaints from season five, four, three, two, one have started to come together and we've seen improvements on all fronts everything everything from twitch drops like the twitch drops remember back in like season two season three everyone was like hey why are we getting these recycled skins slash like uh hammond's toolbox souvenir you know like nobody wanted those we got a shop skin for the beginning we talked about how at the launch of overwatch 2 they create they played a bunch of creators from outside the game they played for two hours and immediately they turned it off it was like that game shit they didn't touch any of their core creators. This is the first time they, they did that. And I actually wasn't even supposed to be included. I got tacked on literally at the last five hours, five hours before the campaign launch. They were like, hey, someone canceled. Can you take this? And I was like, all right, I guess. And I knew about it way beforehand. And I was happy for all my friends that got it. I think there's more people that should have been included. ML, I think you're someone who absolutely should have been included. But the point is, though, these are all criticisms that we've made for the last six months or more. I think that the game's balance has been has been getting better. They've understand that they need to tone back a hero if it's too strong right away. It, did they go a little too hard? We've already talked about that. But these are things that we've talked about for the last nine months, and we're getting somewhere, and it's getting better. And the only way you're going to make public perception better is if the game becomes better. Because there's a quote that I like, and that people always say, it's the way you truly become better or the way you truly move on from things, especially in content, is just make better content. And the same thing happens with Overwatch. If the game makes good content, if the game is fun consistently, people are going to play it and people are going to like it more. The same thing happens in content creation. Just make better content. Don't complain. Just make better content. So I understand where people's sentiments of it. I personally don't, I personally don't totally agree with it. 
that's fine. We'll stand on two sides of the fences. But I do also find it very ironic that those same people don't support the positive stuff. And only there seems to be more people that resonate with the negative stuff. So if you truly want to make that impact, why don't you interact more with the positive stuff? Very yeah, well, thanks. Yeah, it was very succinct, very or not succinct, but very thorough, rather, I should say. Very, very much addressed a lot of the points. I'll quickly give ML the chance, like, if you want to say anything else uh, before I go back to Frida. ML, anything you want to add to what's what's been said? It's hard to see the positive stuff when we're mostly focusing on the negative stuff. And it's yep. also the phrasing and the, um, it's like, like, for example, with PV. PV, like, for me, I said that PV was, um, I think it was repurposed. I didn't say that it was canceled. And to this day, it is my most disliked video right now. And I think that accuracy of information is very important for the perception of the game. So you feel like the PVE's canceled kind of did disservice to, to what actually happened? Like the I feel that, yeah. Because like if you don't play Overwatch and then you hear, hear that Overwatch is canceled. Ah, I knew that it was canceled. See, there you go. It's canceled. It's, it's done. It's over. It's not actually canceled. You know what I mean? Right. people just see the titles, they see the thumbnails, they see everything, and it's like a chain effect, a combination of factors. You hear from left side, you hear from right side, you hear from a friend, and that's it. So you feel like, yeah, it's like it's the sort of the personal responsibility to be really fully accurate in like every part of, of the video presentation, right? It's like the, the content, but also the title, the thumbnail should be not rep mis not mislead people in any way potentially is that kind of what you're suggesting it's not mis it is not necessarily misleading but it might be influencing their opinion without actually having the time maybe even to form a complete opinion a complete opinion because i don't think that uh you can just go home sit down check everything out okay so the title is this the news is this mm -hmm. okay next one and like you know what i mean like this is the first interaction like the first impression it's super important and when you search for Overwatch and stuff, I feel like it's a bunch of negative news. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm excited for the future, you know? I hope that everything like this is in the past and I'm super excited for the future. But I'm a little bit sad with all of the negativity on Steam with all the bad reviews and stuff because I definitely think that the game does not deserve these many bad reviews overall. And if you would try it, you would see that something's something's fishy you know like there's no way this game's this badly give you and just a final point on that like because the pv is cancelled you know it was kind of like major youtube creators twitch streamers and stuff all kind of had that same idea like where do you think that why do you think that so many of them came to that same conclusion like pv is cancelled if you feel like that's a misrepresentative title like why, why do you think that they all went that way maybe expectations about the game because, like, when they said that they're going to make Overwatch 2, we expect something, and then you don't get at something, you get something smaller. So this got cancelled, but this is still a part of this. So maybe this is where this whole thing happened and why it happened. Right. So, again, that, uh, it, it is unfortunate for that, that expectation that was set all the it way back in 2019. From, yeah, yeah. No, carry on. Finish your point. It, it, it is a, a bit of a confusing situation overall, and I think that we lean towards the extreme of it, kind in the middle ground. Perhaps, uh, yeah, a symptom of the internet as a whole as well, that, you know, these, these things are how it works. All that or all, that. All. Yes, it it's must be encouraged in a way, and that's kind of algorithmically true as a creator too. Like, you, you're kind of incentivized to to go for where the views are, and again, as Flats talks about, if people don't engage with the positivity, then 
where does that leave you as a creator where you're kind of like, well, do I try to be as personally uh, responsible as possible and not say anything that might someone might misinterpret in favor of like sacrificing, you know, the audience potentially in your own growth? So it's, it's a bit of a Can I ask tricky... a question? Yeah, go ahead. So let's say it, on the topic of that, it's like where you'd be more eccentric, not totally clickbait because in, in some ways I still believe that the PV was realistically canceled 90 percent of what pv was promised what even jeff said before it was canceled like what they had originally envisioned was like a totally different game um that aside though do you think it's better where a video or something would get 20k views where you're like very much in the middle where it's like you're not kind of like you're kind of like trying to explain like why well, it's not totally gone but it's like whatever versus a video that gets like 150 or 300,000 where you sit down and then explain okay it's not all gone but all of these things are gone. Yes, they did that. Like you're just pointing out all the facts. Like it's not, it, it's, it's factual. You're reading off of, you're either watching, the, like personally from speaking my own content, I either, like watched the clip, like watch, because I watched the dev stream when it happened. So we rewatched the clip where they basically were like, hey, PV is done. You know, the way we, there's no talent trees, no replayability. There'll still be a campaign and we'll do these free hero missions, which we didn't really know what that was going to look like at the time. But like we were like, okay, it's not going to be replayable. They ba they came out and said it's not going to be replayable. It's basically going to be a one-time thing. Um, but we think you'll still enjoy it and you'll have fun with it. All those things were factually true and were said. We watched it, re reacted, viewed it, and then read articles that were uh, Q&A follow-ups. Is it better that 300,000 people watched it and actually learned the full information um, than, say, 20,000 that didn't even click? Because they didn't, they were like, well, everyone else doesn't say that. You know? Is it better? Is it better that 300 people watched it and got the information, or 3 million people saw the information that they thought I would get from it and then click on it? Well, I mean, everyone else is. Kind of, it's the same thing at the same time. Like it's that the actual information is still being read and being used, and that was most of it is canceled. And I think I know Frito's degrees with too. I have the same thing. It was what was originally promised was canceled. This has been. God, this has just been over and over and over. I'm so tired at this point. But regardless, though, uh, I personally think that by giving what actually the facts are and people actually, you know, seeing what it is, is just as important as somebody who decides to just read a, a, a title thumbnail and walk away. I think there's arguments for both sides. And I'm not completely disagreeing with you. I see your point. Um, but at the same time, though, ML, this is like your video. I never even saw it like come across my page. You know what I mean? And like, that's nothing against you. Um, and, and you should, it probably should have come across my page. But unfortunately, that's just kind of how the sentiment of Blizzard has been for the last seven years. And we didn't but, make that. None of us did. But it's, it's not about the creators here. This was my whole opening point with a whole negative reviews. And we just mm -hmm. made it about my videos not being, not appearing on New York feed because they might not be similar to yours, for example. We mm -hmm. were talking about the fact that these negative reviews might have been influenced by some um, some content. And that's not the big thing, because let's be honest, the game is way bigger than uh, a couple hundreds or thousands of content true. creators. Very true. Yeah. And, so and, and, we were just, we're thinking, I don't think that we should put ourselves in a position in which we're thinking uh, because of this and this, this is happening. It's, it's bigger than this. It's a series of factors, a series of events. As yeah, you said that. You said that right from the go, which is a, it's a series of unfortunate events. And and to bring the wider context in, it was there was a report that like two thirds of the negative Steam reviews were from China. So the idea that like 
this is somehow even representative of what the average consumer in you know Europe or North America or anywhere outside of China is actually feeling is not even necessarily true. And the other the other sort of feeling I got reading a lot of the Steam negative reviews was that there were people who just don't play or watch like they quit or watch years ago. Like oh, they yeah. just kind of came back to pile in on what was now like it's kind of like I like to say the internet only has one joke, right? So it's like if I if you we're there when when the player watch Twitter tweeted an image of, of of us at the Crater Summit. You know, one guy makes a joke that's like, "Yo, Diva Bomb would go hard here," and that's funny. The first time someone says like, "Yeah," because you know it's showing that I'm an Overwatch player and I only think about Overwatch. And yes, a Diva explosion would be big. Then the next guy comes in. He's like, "Well, a Ramatra ult would go hard here." Third guy comes in. Well, a, a Helix rocket would go hard. It's like the internet loves to just like they all want their upvotes. They all want the feeling of like I was funny too. I was acknowledged by these other people. And that's the feeling I got with a lot of the Steam reviews, where it was like a lot of people making the same joke. It was like the porn is better. Uh, it was like you know, like a a, a meme drawing of like goats. goats, or just like greedy commercialization. You know, like predatory behavior. Bring back five v five. I miss Jeff. Like a, a bunch of these points that are years old now. Like we we talked about them on the podcast like two years ago about like free to play being bad. You know, like and that sentiment that people had. So I did get the impression that. A lot of the negativity came from people who aren't even really engaged in Overwatch anymore. They're just kind of like former lovers who are a little bit embittered, right? They just resent the relationship they once had with Overwatch. And this is where I want to bring you in, Frito, because I feel like this is where often the, the discrepancy lies between what those of us in the active community see when, you know, we're, we're people who are still playing. So obviously we must still have some positive reception or feeling towards Overwatch. We must like it to keep playing it. But the wider community who understand Overwatch don't necessarily feel that way. And so people feel like, where is this negativity coming from when we think it's all positive and, and we feel like it's being misrepresented? But then there's people who have this relationship with Overwatch who don't play but like to tune in to content creation and other sources and Steam reviews. And they aren't very happy with how Overwatch has turned out. Yes. Uh, a few points I'd like to make. One on the PV is cancelled thing. I'll get to that in a moment. But first... I want to ask everybody a question. Um, when Overwatch 2 was launching, I made a few videos that uh, did fairly well. One of them was a review of the game. Overwatch 2 is really, really, really good was the title. And then another one later on about the Battle Pass, which I liked in many, many ways and still do to this day. And they keep improving it. Did I, as a creator, influence the opinion of anybody about the Battle Pass? Like a drop in the bucket? Like, is, is there some big unraveling of us? Is there some big snowball effect that I have created by releasing positive sentiment about the microtransactions of the game? I think we all would agree, of course not. There's like literally nothing I could do to say positive about uh, a free-to-play game and microtransactions that's going to get these, and a big percentage, by the way, of the Steam reviews are people that don't like the, the monetization of the game. There's nothing I can say that is going to sway that opinion. So let, let's not forget that me personally said many positive things about many things, which I don't feel has had any impact one way or the other. It's just people take the information in and they feel how they're going to feel regardless. Far more often is it the case that viewers are looking to have their opinion reflected and in some cases, some small cases, challenged. And I hope to do that with my content and I continue to do it and will always do it because I find it fun. Uh, to the PVE is canceled thing. I still think that's the case today. 
I th thought it then, and I didn't even think it was going to be a controversial statement to make. We've had this conversation on the podcast before, but not with a guest which uh, stands on the opposite opinion. So it's um, nice to have that, to bounce these ideas back and forth. And over this time, I have taken efforts to understand the other side of the argument on this to the best of my ability. And what I have gathered is that uh, a lot of people seem to think that archives should be called PVE. And I would agree, it is. Um, but there also is another category of PVE, which is a full game release, which is what Overwatch 2 was originally marketed as. It was supposed to be like Diablo Adventure Mode. So when I say PVE is canceled, what I don't mean is we'll never get an archive-style event ever again. Uh, what I do mean is the PVE game is canceled because the replayability, the depth, the full gameness of the PVE is what I expected it to be aiming towards. And playing what we have now, I think it's much easier to call it Archives Plus, but for me, it's Archives Minus because it's like stretched out what we used to have stretched out for longer durations and there's just a bit more of it and considering i have to pay for it i'm even more sour on it, it and now we're in some new weird third version where it's like freemium i guess battle pass add-on and for me that's like the worst of all worlds like i think that's that's worse than the smaller scope that was free that's just like hey you know you can get a bit of the story you get the gist of what this game's about but we're mostly about pvp that's what i, I felt in overwatch one but we also don't get the Diablo game that we were were being promised, which would have been a full-scale game. Like, full game. <laughs> not a demo, not like a little concept piece. Yeah. Uh, we don't get either of those. So, um, I still think it was cancelled, and it's cancelled down to the point of it being an archives variant. And to me, that's not... Like, like I, I feel like they're playing... I feel to call it anything else on my part, would have been disingenuous because I think Blizzard is playing fast and loose with this terminology and switching between the two and say like, well, we always had PVE. You remember archives? And then you guys are like, well, archives kind of sucked in a way. Like it was, wasn't good enough. And, and to me, this is just a glorified version at best. But I think because it fails to meet my expectations, I think it's minus because it just takes longer to do. It's like, you know, let's, we're letting SVB off the hook a lot of times. He gets the host, but he didn't even finish the thing, right? Like, like I at least finished it, right? And it went through it. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm sitting. Like, I, I feel the evidence of the quality of the product we got in the uh, uh, solo queue experience, at least, backs up everything that I said. Like, the, ga the game is canceled. We get, like, a, a demo trial version of a thing. I don't even know what to call it. Freemiumware, I guess. All right, that, I think that's uh, every point that I wanted to respond yeah. to. I mean, yeah, carry on. I, I would, yeah, I'll just say, yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> that's straight up. But um, you go ahead. You t finish the point about the Steam reviews and, and kind of the sentiment of negativity. Right. Uh, we don't control that. <laughs> like the, the where, Steam, where do you think the, this the comes wider from? Community, where, the wider where do you community does not from? like the microtransaction change, right? They, they don't care about that. I had no influence to change that. If I had influence, why why doesn't my superpowers of influencing the community work when I really go hard to try to influence something? <laughs> like the moment I want to do it, it's like I my all my powers are gone. But then I'm to blame when I have a headline that you don't like the narrative of, like you want it to be something else. Like a lot of content creators or or fans of the game want other people to be fans of the game. I do too, but I can't help you. 
right? None of us are going to help that. Like Blizzard has to do it over a long series of improvements to the game in the long haul. So uh, I think a lot of, there's a million reasons for people to be upset at, at Overwatch, like, and Blizzard in general. And it mostly comes from that. Like it's not, it doesn't come from a headline from a YouTube video. I'll tell you that. Like the most disliked Steam game ever? Like, come on. Like there's gotta be a lot more problems than, than a negative headline, even if it was completely incorrect. Even if there was a mass campaign of hater content creators that want to lie to spread misinformation, which I don't categorize myself as or any of the people that have been mentioned. Even if that was the case, it, in the millions of players that exist, like it would be a drop in the bucket if the game was good, right? Like you, there would, Try to do this for uh, Zelda. Try, try to make a, a, a content creator cabal to bring that behemoth <laughs> down. And, and like, like, think about it. It's a ridiculous idea, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that answered the, the the premise that you were trying to get me to. I, I no, no. The other points. These are then, all uh, great. Themes. I appreciate all you guys' candidness. Like, I, I, I hope that you've all, or, you know, are don't feel like I've put you in any position to talk about things you don't want to because I see you guys as my homies and I ask you questions that I'm genuinely curious about your opinions on. I feel like I agree with what Flats was saying earlier about just make good... Like, I I think just make good content is the number one principle to live by when you make content, right? It's like, if, I, if I'm like, why does my video not pop off? Yeah, there can be things that are improved in the marketing and the thumbnail. Like, these are all important. But just, like, you got to make a good video at the end of the day. Like, all those things cannot help fix a bad video and i think good pr bad pr i think if there's one thing that we've seen in recent years in gaming is that the gaming community is very fickle the internet community is very fickle you know like diablo was mentioned it's also an activision blizzard game and it's funny because one of the things that i saw a lot on the steam reviews was people mentioning the sexual harassment stuff of blizzard and the hilarious irony of it is that team four of overwatch was the only team and i will repeat this till death was the only team of Blizzard not implicated in any of that. They were the one team nobody said were involved in any sexual misconduct. So people using that to criticize them shows you that they don't really care about the substance of those accusations. Yet, ironically, what game got praised to the hilt? Diablo, where Jesse McCree worked, right? The guy whose name we had to change to, you know, fix this PR. Jesse McCree and, and other developers impl implicated in the Diablo scandal went and got huge positive reviews because the game was fun because everyone played it and was like wow it's great and then as flats pointed out when their new patch dropped and they made a bunch of clangers all of a sudden the internet's up in arms again all of a sudden the internet is like fuck this game fuck activision blizzard greedy 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 all those accusations came back you can look at riot success they've they've had their own sexual harassment lawsuits nobody brings those up because people enjoy playing their games so I do think that there is an accountability to be had. Like, I think personal accountability is what I would, as was ML's alluding to as well, is like, you got to be confident that what you put out is true, right? Because there, there's people, I would, I would not invite anyone to the podcast who I felt was misrepresentative, who I felt was like making content. They're just kind of lying. They're just almost deliberately spreading misinformation because they know it'll get a, a better response. So I think it's like that personal accountability, like I put out something I believe in and beyond that, it's like it's up to the people to decide how they feel. I also agree that I don't think it's possible that if if Overwatch was fun and enjoyable, that swathes of people would play it and yet be convinced by negativity from creators to change their opinion on a game they otherwise enjoyed. So I, I also think that the, I actually, to, to summarize this point, 
I don't think the Steam reviews matter. Maybe I'm wrong and I have no way of, of knowing what effect it has on the, the, the reception of the game. But I think Overwatch's problem is not public reach. People know about Overwatch. 50 million, 60 million people bought a copy of Overwatch 1. That's ridiculous. Game of the year, right? People know what Overwatch is. They just don't like it anymore. And that's the problem which has to combat. It's not like we don't need... Okay, yeah, maybe we need more Zoomers to know about the game because they've, they've grown up in a generation now without Overwatch. P.S. Keep the Zoomers out of my content though. Fuck them. But the rest of everybody else knows about Overwatch. Everybody else has been there. They've all been there when Overwatch was the hype game. They all know about it. So the problem that they're combating is that people just don't think their game was very good or is very good. So I think that's what the Steam reviews have to address. When 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 the game starts feeling good for a consistent period of time, I don't think we'll face these problems anymore. Um, ML, anything you want to add? Hey, I mean, with the game being so badly reviewed, the silver lining is it can only go up from now. True. That's what I count on. That's Very what I count true. on. I think that's where we're at right now. I think the the climb has begun again. I agree. And on that note, let's quickly round up things. I know I promised I wouldn't hold you guys time for too much longer. So let's just quickly touch base on a few of the things that we haven't. So just I'll, I'll say the topic and then you guys just you know feel free to just hop in, free ball, say whatever you want to say. Flashpoint, good or not? Love it. Love, Love it. it. But but at very a waypoint, it's very confusing. Add a way to show me where the next point is. Oh, like, like getting on, on the, the ground? Yeah. Yeah, like the payload. Yes. It's very confusing. After I saw it. your tweet about that. I thought it was a great idea. That's a great solution, I think, to, to players being lost. Even if eventually we'll find our way, I think it's helpful. And it'll be helpful for new players forever because you can't expect people to just know. Um, the progression systems. I think a very good addition, personally. I think... I think personally it could be refined, but how do you guys feel about the progression systems? Love it needs yeah. improvement. I think the visuals are kind of weak. Yes, I think they look kind of ugly. The, 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 yeah, the medals, are, they look like they're from another game almost. Um, the little avatars aren't as, like, um, I don't know, the art's not S tier, but the concept is perfect. I, I love it. Mm -hmm. ML, anything you want to add on that? I love Flat, it Flat too. Says, I just... I I just hope that they're going to re-add the old stats, though. It's a little bit disappointing to not see, like, your previous stats. Like, oh, right. Because start from level one, you know? Yeah. You, you think there's a cap? Separate tab and that's it. I heard there's a cap of, like, 200, because, like, I don't know. I mean, you probably, too. I think I think we all would have instantly hit the cap if, uh, if there is a cap somewhere. Maybe if there wasn't a cap, I would totally be down for that. I don't know yeah, might, about you. Yeah, it might be the case. Oh, 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 yeah, cap, go ahead. No, no, I was just, I was just agreeing. I was gonna go ahead. Another point I want to add, uh, add in is I think it's a great psychological boost to play your highlight intro at the end of every single game because yeah, oftentimes with losses, like this is something I noticed. I don't know if it's just me, but it makes losing feel less bad because you're making progress on something, and then you get to see your highlight intro, which sends like a bit of a neural link to other times you had play the game. So even if you just lost, it's just sort of like a an upbeat little like, well, on to the next thing. And I, I think. That's a concept that they might look to refine in other ways. I don't know if that was intentional on, on their part, but it's had that effect on me anyway as a player. And I think making losing feel less severe in Overwatch would be better for the community and the game in general. Which reminds me of the, of the shared replay of the game bug that's going around. I know, ML, you've, you've spoken about this with the, 
the POV switching partway through the play of the game. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people have been having that. Dude, if they would make that a feature, that would be huge. That would be incredibly fun. Yeah, it would be interesting if that's something they're just maybe, yeah, like it, it messed around with and accidentally got put in or if it's just some weird spaghetti code that broke, but... Yeah, I saw be... Mercy get a play of the game. I feel they they switched the algorithm <laughs> as well. Side note. Like, she damage damped an Orisa ult and then, like, pulled out the Glock and killed someone and then rezzed. Like, I feel like I've... It's been so long since I've seen a Mercy play of the game. I, I don't know. Just a random question. They, they improved it for supports, definitely. I get way mm -hmm. more now than before. Nice. I mean, it's good Good to know that yeah, I think these are the things that go unsaid that they're constantly working on all the time is like something they don't maybe talk about in the patch notes, which leads me to patch notes. Are you guys happy with the balance at the moment? Other oh. than power creep in general, like I think in isolation, I kind of don't mind a lot of the decisions. It's just I think there's like a global issue that's kind of uh, happening. But as to Flat's point about just at least changing things and, and trying to keep it moving, um, that's the road we're on. So I can't complain too much. With with the strategy they have, they're doing well operating within it, as far as I'm concerned. And now Crystal Clear Flat's coming through and now he's adjusted. It's Flat's been struggling all, all podcast. <laughs> yeah, you happy with the balance? Mm, I, I'm having fun with this patch. Uh, just playing. Yeah, I have some complaints here and there, but like... I think the key, like, we're never, I said this earlier, we're never going to be happy on balance. Literally nobody agrees. Nobody at all. And it's like everyone, everyone likes to shake their fist at creators and be like, you have a bad take. But if you read through those comments, there's just nothing but bad takes the whole way through 90% of the time. So as long as the game is shooken up and is like constantly being fresh and constantly being fun, I think we'll all have a good time. And if there's a meta you don't like, hey, two weeks later, if it's gone, it's gone. ML, you happy? I'm confused about some changes. I don't know why they buffed Orisa's HP and Diva's yep. buffed a little bit. I think she's very strong. Yep. But the good thing is that a lot of heroes receive changes, which keeps everything safe, uh, everything fresh. I'm a little bit worried, though, for the pros that are going to play on, on the patch and stuff, because so many changes, so much stuff coming up, like Overwatch League, you have Contenders, you have World Cup. I just want them to be more decisive with the patch and... Yeah, that, that just might do sense. But it does keep the game fresh, so. Yeah, it'll be interesting because this is, like, obviously we haven't really talked about the pro level, but there's a discussion, growing discussion I've seen about the staleness of the pro level beyond Winston Ana and, and how it's kind of become this this dominant comp. Well, something perhaps, you know, for Plat Chat to discuss and perhaps something for me to discuss next week when Plat Chat will be on this podcast. So check out for that one. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely have a little chat about pro balance. Um... Is there anything else that we haven't covered? Oh yes. So what's so let's just let's head over final thought then. The season yet to come. Hero masteries and various other things. So what do you guys, each of you, kind of want to feel about the rest of the season? Like is there anything you're looking forward to? Are you hoping that something will happen? Or are you just hoping that maybe people will keep playing Overwatch for the remainder of the season? We'll go with Frito first. Um, Hero Mastery is not my thing. I think I appreciate it being in the game, but for me personally it's not something I'm so interested in. Um, I look forward to Larry going into comp. They just added Flashpoint to comp. I, I guess in this section, I'll just add a little blurb about Flashpoint. It's like a, a cool thing I like about it is it has a lot of the fun, chaotic fights that Control would have, but not the brutal map design. Whereas in, in Control, oftentimes, like, you know, trying to retake on that 
Lijiang Garden uh, Bridge or something. It's like it's Boop City or it's like really uh, suffocating chokes. Whereas Flashpoint has, at least to me, very intuitive um, fight paths. And then even if you come up against a brick wall, there's like another path you could take as opposed to control where it's 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 very choke heavy. So I'm happy that that's now in competitive. Nice. I like it. Yeah, stuff to look forward to. Flats. What are you what are you thinking about for the rest of the season? Um honestly, I'm having a good time. So my message isn't going to be for you guys or for the community. I actually want to my message is more for the devs because I know a lot of them do watch this podcast and I want you to know uh I've noticed all the work that's gone on in the last six months and how much of the critical feedback has been taken um, and implemented on. And uh, I hope that the game continues to in that direction. I think that we could truly have a meteoric rise like old Apex had, um, where Apex was kind of down in the dumps for a while, and they changed their philosophy on a lot of things with the game uh, and the way they were going to approach it. And a lot of people really fell in love with the game again, uh, just like they had originally, where, remember, it was peak, peak, and then it just it just fell off for a while um and i truly do think that uh aaron is fully in control at this point like it's been a, it's been about a year and a half two years it takes a lot of time for big corpas like this to move um it's having worked in corporate life myself i know how long it takes to get anything fucking done in a corporation of that size uh so i do want them to know that we truly do appreciate it. i've noticed all the changes and i truly do hope that we can continue to work together and uh make this game as good as it can be uh, because we all know it's way better than what it is right now and what it's perceived as right now. And uh, just like you're saying the sentiment earlier, if you just keep making better content. Yeah. People are, people are mad now. People have been mad over a long time. Uh, but I think that putting the whole PV thing, PVE thing behind us and moving forward and, and creating a better game, a PVP game and a better community as we go forward is the key. And uh you know, as ML was saying earlier, we're, we were kind of at the bottom. There's only up from here. So let's go. Love that take. Love to hear it. Agree. Yeah, I love to hear it. Uh, ML. I'm uh, super happy with how fast the devs are making changes to the game, keeping it fresh. Like every two weeks, I feel like something's uh, happening. Like right now, they released Ilagi and they are talking about nerfs and like balancing the game. So shout out to them for the speed compared to like in the previous uh, couple of years. Keeps everything really exciting. And secondly, I just can't wait for Giliagi to be available in comp. I want to watch the professional games. I want to see how hype she's going to be. And I want to see if she's going to be played or not. Because I think that she might make the game very, very, very fun to watch. Because it's going to be very understandable what she does. So excited to see if she's actually going to be meta or not. Nice. And you've, you've been having a good... You've been eating good for a while, ML. We've got back-to-back -back support releases. So you've kind of... Well, uh... Plus Life Weaver. We might see Life Weaver being played too. Mm-hmm. So it's been good. Do you feel happy now with the number of supports that are in the game? Mm, yeah, it's good. I think 10. We have 10 right now. Mm -hmm. 10 supports, yeah. You have a lot of options right now. It was pretty difficult when Overwatch 2 was released with all of the options that you had. But right now, I feel like it's it's a pretty good number. Nice. Well, uh, for me personally, yeah, I think, I think I, in many ways, I do represent a good section of people's relationship with Overwatch in that I'm kind of quite pulled back at the moment. You know, like I, I've loved it, you know, some release. There was the Overwatch Dev Appreciation hashtag going on on Twitter. And I think it's clear, like myself and uh, many other creators, it's kind of a game that's changed our lives. And, you know, for that, I am I am forever grateful. that This is the point I'll get called a shill. But yeah, I think, I think 
having met the devs when we when I went to California, the Creator Summit, one thing that is clear is just their passion. And I, I love the energy, right? I think the days are gone that Blizzard could be accused of being removed devs who don't care what their community has to say and don't listen and don't really participate. I think one thing that was clear is the number of devs that just were very involved in the community, very much knew what was going on, very much played. They watched a lot of the content. You know, they knew what was what the content creators were saying. So Remember if we should... Yeah, exactly. So if we if we should, I mean, they're here, but I'm just clarifying for the, those who maybe don't watch streams, who maybe are listening to this podcast later on YouTube. Um, yeah, it's like they, they are really involved. They're just like members of the community. And I think that's great. I think a lot of, I will say perhaps that they can say that I think a lot of the frustrations we feel are often higher up than the direct dev team. A lot of the things that are spanners in their works are the, you know, the things that we would hate too uh, and orders that they can't, essentially ignore so i i look forward from a kind of outside perspective looking in i'm not at the point anymore where i grind or watch like eight hours a day or whatever i don't have that love for it anymore but i'm open to loving again right <laughs> this is getting very philosophical but i'm open to falling in love with or watch again and i think that's how many people hopefully feel that the you know the steam reviews are kind of inalienable even though you know i didn't super enjoy the pve uh and I'm kind of focusing on a lot of other content personally, like check out the soak guys, go watch my movie and TV breakdowns. Thank you very much. Do me a blessing. But I still, thank you. Thank you. I still, I still feel like Overwatch, like Flash said, can have that rise. I feel like it can return to its glory. We just got to make good games and we got to keep making good shit. So I hope that's what Overwatch does. I'm looking forward to Hero Mastery. I, I think it'll be a lot of fun. I think it'll be very grindable, which is great. And I am quietly optimistic with how the game played. And when I return, like, and I haven't played it for like over a month, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm liking Iliari a lot. I think she's very fun. The game doesn't feel so frustrating. Maybe that'll change when I go back into comp. So thumbs up at the moment for me. I look forward to what they got cooking. And thank you very much to my three guests, Frito Flats and ML7, for giving me their time. I appreciate them so much for talking through all these things, even even the ones where I kind of put them in the on the spotlight a little bit. But as as always, they kind of graciously and maturely had those discussions. So I hope you guys appreciate the fact that they were willing to talk about things that are uncomfortable that most people would probably dodge. So thank you very much, guys. Anything you want to add before we let you get going? Thanks for being the best I, host. I look forward to a year or two years down the line when we have another season six and another one. If we get like one big season like this every year, I think that we might have something cooking in a year or two. Yeah. Thank you very much, guys. ML as well for, for being the new guest here. Appreciate your time. Uh, but yeah. Me on SVB. Pleasure. Go check out the de director's blogs then, guys, because I think there's one just dropped. So go read them for your streams. Peace out. On, Catch more. you later. See ya. <laughs> See ya.